Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing about sports for the duration of the show. A reminder for those who may want to join in on, on the sports talk, uh, you can do so by either calling in 657-383-1308, or if you don't want to talk, uh, if you don't want to talk on the, on the phone, we do have a Facebook group that you can join called Sports Whispers. Go to Facebook slash groups slash Sports Whispers. Request to join in there, and you can uh, join in on the conversations that we have going on. Uh, we got a lot to get to this week. We have uh, the first week of the NFL starting up. Uh, we got an update on the whole Spain soccer situation uh, with Team Spain. Uh, we have some contract extensions to talk about. We got uh, a big M- MLB star facing severe punishment. And from what it looks like, it looks like maybe potentially some jail time. Uh, as well as some other things, yeah. including uh, including the ongoing delusion that is taking place right now inside the Boston Red Sox organization. Uh, with that being said, we do have uh, Diane, we have Lou, and we have Alex all on the line to start off tonight. And uh, I do want to start off first with some wrestling news because we do have yeah. – an official record that has been broken. In particular, the Intercontinental Championship for 35 years has been the record, the the record holder has been the Honky Tonk Man who had a single record of 454 days in a single reign as champion. That is now wow. no longer. That is now no oh. longer as Gunther. Uh, although uh, English uh, English fans uh, fans from the UK may know him primarily as Walter. Uh, Gunther has officially eclipsed that. With uh, currently the record is now four hundred and fifty five days and counting, thus making him the most prestigious intercontinental champion of all time for uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. Now, as far as combined reigns go, there are only three people ahead of him that have held the title for more days than him. That is Don Morocco, 541 days through two different reigns. Uh, Mike Mizanin, also known as The Miz, with eight title reigns for 597 days. And Pedro Morales, with two reigns for a combined day total of 619 days. But probably the biggest accomplishment of it all is the fact that he holds the record for a single reign. Uh, the record number of days at 455 days and counting now. So a 35-year-old record 
has uh, has finally been broken officially. Uh, and honestly, I just got I just got to say, the guy it, it, it's it's well deserved that he's the one that breaks the yeah. record because Gunther. I don't think I've seen a more technical yet physical specimen of a wrestler than Walter. So it's definitely, he's put in a lot of hard work since joining World Wrestling Entertainment back in 2019, where he was the longest reigning UK champion uh, for NXT UK. And now he is officially the longest reigning intercontinental champion. And I would expect at some point he's probably going to drop that title and, and go after one of the uh, one of the world titles, I would assume, uh, in the upcoming months. But anyways, that's it for the uh, for the wrestling news, though. Um, let's dive in into uh, the first bit of news here, and it's gonna we're gonna be talking a whole lot of football tonight. Uh, but the very first thing we're going to talk about is Antonio Brown and his ever-evolving oh, CTE. Uh, uh, yeah, let's let's just face it. The more the more problems he gets involved in, the more that makes you think that CTE uh, has something to do with it. Uh, well, for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah, I mean, for for anybody who doesn't know, CT uh, has uh, has a lot to do with the brain and uh, for damage that's been taken. Uh, you know, I, I still say this: he hasn't been the same since he took that perfect hit so many years ago. Yeah, when he w- when when he was on Pittsburgh playing Cincinnati. Uh, ever since he got hit by perfect, he's he hasn't been the same guy. That he that he used to be, uh, and it just got seemingly worse. As uh, for people who don't know, he used to be the owner of the National Arena League's Albany Empire. Oh yeah. Uh, for uh, and for the national the National Arena League is basically a football league, and Obviously. now he has two former he has two former players claiming that the former NFL superstar threatened to pull a gun on them in a heated exchange. Now, keep in mind, this is him as an owner pulling a, threatening to pull out a gun on two of his on two of his employees, two of his players. The two players uh the two players uh, are are named Dwayne Hollis and Darius Prince, according to an interview with ESPN, saying the whole incident was sparked by a social media tribute to former teammate Mo Ruffins, who died last year. Uh, the post was quickly deleted without, uh, from the Empire's account without explanation. So when Hollis and Prince both ran into Antonio Brown at a local cigar lounge, they wanted answers. And apparently it basically got it basically uh got worse from there 
The players alleged Brown, who was still fresh off of buying his part of the team at the time, got uh, got pissed off over their approach, uh, and then he told his assistant, Ryan, Ryan Larkin, to go out to his car to get his weapon. Uh, Prince was quoted as saying that A.B. looked at Ryan and was like, hey, man, you still got the AR in the car? Go get it. AR in the car. And... And then he goes, then I was like, I'm not going to allow this dude to walk out of here after you just threatened us. Uh, Prince does say, though, that cooler heads eventually prevailed and they were able to have a conversation, but made it clear that the threat rubbed him the wrong way. And, I mean, it's no real secret that he basically ran the empire into the ground uh, within a matter of months. And former players and staffers both uh, all accused Antonio Brown of being, a, of being a nightmare to work with. And eventually the team ended up getting booted from the league as a result. And now Brown has yet to address these allegations, but given his history of social media activity, though, a response is probably on its way. So I have a problem. Yeah, let's start off with you on this, Lou. What, what are your thoughts on uh, on Antonio Brown seemingly showing that, uh, yeah, he still he still may have a little bit of CTE going up in that head of his? Uh, yeah, well, I'll really mess you up. You know, that's that's not something you fool around with. I mean, that should be taken that should be taken care of. I mean, CTE has been you know very rampant. You know, we're paying over the past few years, and more and more you know. Players are suffering from, well, of course, from taking hits to the head and whatnot. But you know, that's something you don't, you know, fall around with. And it really can, it really messes up you mentally as well as physically. And that's still running through his head. You know, he's not going to be thinking clearly at all. I mean, this is a so guy. Not, yeah. This is a Plus, guy. Who, yeah, he can't stay out of trouble no matter what he does. This is a guy who forced his way out of Pittsburgh, then forced his way out of out of Oakland but before they became uh, Las Vegas. Uh, he forced his way out of Oakland uh, by attempting to do, I think it was, what, what was it, cryogenic healing or something with his feet, and he ended up burning his feet in yep. the process. Yep, yep. Uh, apart from a whole bunch of other things. Sounds like, a, sounds like, a, sounds like an Aaron Rodgers retreat. I don't know what happened on that adventure. Yeah, good point. Well, that's different. That, that, that Aaron Rodgers and his ayahuasca, uh, whatever whatever shit he uses, is an entirely different. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, an yeah. entirely different thing. But yeah, uh, I mean, let's let's go to you, Alex, on this. What what are your what are your thoughts on Antonio Brown now apparently threatening his players with guns? Yeah, I mean. Unfortunately, there's almost like a pre and a post uh, the concussion. That it, that was one of the world's biggest hits of any sport, I, I really think. Vontez Perfect, the Cincinnati uh, Bengals middle linebacker, really, unfortunately, literally, I think, cleaned his clock when he hit him. That was, a, you guys remember, the mo- one of the most devastating hits in pro sports. And since then, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's one example, sadly, where a concussion literally turned the guy immediately into, you know, what was it, next year, the year after? A couple of years after, he started to go downhill mentally, unfortunately, after that hit. And then he's running around, in the, you know, in the end zone of the Jets Metro Metro Stadium, taking his jersey off, running around topless. You know, remember, I mean, 
just absolute meltdown right. after meltdown. So yeah, right. unfortunately, it's it's kind of what he's been doing lately. I I think he's not really in control of what he's doing mostly. I just I know I want to stick responsibilities, but the guy just is there's something going on with him. That's the best I can describe yeah, it. So unfortunately, sounds like something he is capable of. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I mean, you really have to wonder, you know, with, with everything that this guy has been through, and he even had Tom Brady, maybe one of the nicest guys in the NFL, uh, you know, basically offer to give him a place to stay. Jared put him and up, then yeah. he starts up, and then he starts up all this shit with Giselle. And whatnot, and trying to trying to drive a wedge between Giselle and Brady. Uh, now, obviously, you know now we know at the time, or you know now we know that you know they're divorced, and uh, mainly because Giselle was actually uh, was actually boning her uh, her mixed this. martial arts instructor uh, with the trainer on uh, on the side, or physical or personal trainer, whatever it was. Um, on the side, but still, you know, this is a guy who's been given chance after chance. Yep. So, Diane, what are you... Go ahead, Alex. Uh, Sorry, guys. I was just saying something's really messed up with him, unfortunately. I think it's gone downhill after that big injury he suffered. I think it's definitely tied to that. It it correlates to that. I think that's the reason, I think, part of it. Right. Diane, what what are your thoughts on uh on Antonio Brown now seemingly threatening uh members of his uh of his, of not his now former Arena League team uh with a with a gun? He's gonna do that. Well obviously no. You can't you can't do that, especially not not, not regardless of if you're an owner or anything, uh, you just don't do that, period. Right, exactly. Well, Matthew, what were, uh, were you saying something? Contribute to the society of stupid people everywhere, and there's another example right there. I mean, you know, another one who's high and mighty, and, look, and people look at him and you pull a stone like that, carrying a gun. What were you thinking? Or then again, were you thinking at all? Right. Oh, yeah, you know, it, you it, something like that. And this is the yeah, part of the worst honestly, thing to have that he's just, done. I mean, everything's like escalating with the guy. Whenever you hear about Antonio Brown, it's probably something not not good. Let's put it that way. And now it's getting yeah. worse and worse. Obviously, now there's guns involved. It's like, what's next? Yeah, there's something seriously, you know, off with the guy right now. Right. And not to mention, not just that, but he also then raged at a reporter. Uh, over a story that the reporter didn't even write. Um, when yeah. when uh, TMZ had reported that there was a warrant out for Antonio Brown's arrest due to unpaid child support, uh, Antonio Brown also then went after a reporter called Do- uh, Dove Kleiman, who... Claim, uh, you know, he's claiming that, that Kleiman had written the report when yet he didn't even write the story. And now 
and Antonio Brown, despite the reporter's attempt to, to say that he didn't write the story, uh, Brown then started going after him on social media, um, essentially, you know, essentially calling him, uh, well, I'm not going to say it on air, but uh, it's the... Uh, it's the African American oh, slur God. word for for a white person. We'll just put it that way. So yeah, I crossed that line too. Yeah, it's yeah. not getting any nicer with it. These days are not getting any. Uh, these days are not getting any brighter in Antonio Brown's world. Unfortunately, there's something there's something definitely wrong with him. Uh, you need to, I think, be committed somewhere right now. You need some, some help. I think. Yeah, and then remember the guy he, he also he almost had a he almost had a hostage standoff. I mean, remember about that too? You know, oh yeah, involved, dude. I mean, come on, what 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 else is this guy gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> well, like he was we're, holding we're, his, we're talking about holding serious, his kids. We're not talking about like small misdemeanor. We're talking about some serious stuff that he's already been pulling. That's getting worse and worse with him. Right, and I, I think you know he was uh, he was also. Um, he was holding his kids and his yep. uh, girlfriend or fiance hostage, I guess. Yeah, Apparently, I guess, I guess they swept that under the rug. I, I don't. I didn't hear too much of the aftermath. They kind of swept that under, somewhat successfully. It wasn't a huge story, the overall outcome. But yeah, that was not a, not a great story for him. I mean, geez, yeah, he's got a pretty bad pattern going on right now. And he even referenced his CTE. When he got in a uh, argument, in a back and forth argument with uh, former teammate Ryan Clark, uh, who everybody knows, uh, everybody knows Ryan Clark. Uh, if sure. I recall correctly, wasn't he the? Or wait, who who was the? Uh, who was the Steeler whose career ended due to a? Uh, Shea, it was it Shazier. Ryan Shea's here from Ohio State. Yeah, he's out. Uh, Ryan, Ryan yeah. Clark was an all-pro linebacker. Now he's a, one of the analysts on ESPN. I mean, yeah, just solid backup. That's Steelers, right. Big-time big time leader and, like, linebacker. Yeah. That's right. For some, for some reason, I don't, know, I don't understand why I keep, uh, why I keep uh, confusing the two. But two, um, Ryan, two, Ryan, both, two Ryan's, both middle linebackers, both Pittsburgh, you know? One of the, yeah, but still, he, he even got he even got in a verbal back and forth with uh with Ryan Clark, um, <laughs> with a whole a whole bunch yeah. of not safe for work language, and it even ended with Brown uh, referencing oh my CTE acting up again, uh, which obviously yeah, he was being sarcastic. Sure. He was being and sarcastic was saying that. Because now he doesn't, he's not going to get help. But he, he, oh, if anything happens, he's covered. Because oh, he can just blame it on that. Nope, not how it works. He'll be held accountable. If, you know, I, I don't know how the heck he's not already uh, locked up. If he's, some of the antics he's been pulling. So yeah, not some good looks out of this guy. Yeah, needless to say, uh, he is. He his head is basically miles away, gone at this point. Yeah. Oh, and this just in a uh, comeback falls short for the Boston Red Sox as they they uh, yeah they let yet another one despite twenty three hits let another yep. one slip out of their grasp with a thirteen to twelve loss to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, yep. Hey Alex Cora, 
Hey, Alex Cora, <laughs> are we still in the hunt? Are we still in the hunt? Is that private conversation? Maybe now maybe? you should. Maybe now you should play. You, maybe now you should play Sedan Rafaela instead of making him ride the pine. How about that? Now he's pulling personal Six stuff. Six and a like half now. You alluded to a few times, Steve, in your yeah. in your show very aptly. You know, you you pointed out it's almost like the manager's kind of getting back at the people upstairs. He's getting revenge on the front office. Uh, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, more time to talk about baseball in a little bit, but I, I just yeah. thought I would point that out because uh, I found it funny in Alex Cora's press conference today uh, that he basically said the reason why uh, Sedan Rafaela, one of their prized prospects, is sitting on the bench and not starting games is because oh, we're still in the hunt. You're six and a half games back, now seven and a half possibly, and you call that still in the hunt? Say what? Yeah, no. Well, mathematically you still are, but it's going to be an awful world to climb back from. Mathematically, yeah. Yeah, mathematically, yes, you're still in the hunt, but it's going to take – and now actually now it's been updated. Now they're seven games back at 72 and 70. Yes. And you know, this is an interesting stat. This was the 90th time. Today's game was the 90th time that a Red Sox starter has not recorded a single out into the sixth inning this season. Mm. The 90th time out of 142 games. That's That's pathetic. But anyways, we'll get to we'll get to baseball in a little bit here. Uh, I thought I would I thought I would just throw that little tidbit out there because I I'm gonna have more to talk about uh, I'm gonna have more to talk about when it comes to Alex Cora coming up. Don't you worry about that. Uh, (laughs) Moving over to soccer for a little bit here. Uh, We'll get back to the NFL in a minute, but I figured we would move over to Team Spain as Spanish soccer star Jenny Hermoso has officially filed a criminal complaint against Luis Rubiales for planting a kiss on her following the country's World Cup victory last month, claiming that the act was sexual assault. Right. And uh, it was was announced uh, earlier this week, back on Wednesday, uh, claiming that Hermoso testified against the soccer president on Tuesday – so if found guilty, he could face a fine or up to a four-year prison sentence. And this news now comes on the heels of Rubiales uh, being suspended from FIFA, as well as the Spanish government's investigation into the incident. Uh, Rubiales has always been, has been adamant the whole time that the kiss was consensual, claiming the outrage was nothing more than a witch hunt by what he calls false feminists. Uh, Hermoso's side of the kiss, though, is completely different as she stated that she felt like a victim of aggression and that she and her family felt they were pressured by the Soccer Federation to downplay the incident in favor of the president of Spanish soccer. Uh, Not just that, but also Jorge Vilda, the now former head coach of of Team Spain, has officially been fired 
after taking Luis Rubiales' side in all this. Literally days after he applauded Rubiales for refusing to resign, despite mounting pressure from within the country and around the world. And he was the lone remaining member of the staff that ended up winning the World Cup final because all of the other coaches, uh, which were 11 in total, resigned in a show of support for Jenny Hermoso. Wow. And as for as for Vilda, though, uh, I mean, this isn't the first time he's been involved in controversy since taking over the team in 2015 because he barely survived a player-led revolt uh, back in last September when many on his team accused him of treating them poorly and demanded better working conditions. Uh, he ended up keeping his job, but many of the unhappy players opted to not return for the World Cup. And uh, since since then, he has not addressed his firing as of now. But, I mean, you know, when when looking at it from a certain perspective, you may think, oh, okay, you know, this isn't really a this isn't really a big deal at first. With Oh, right. And I, I know what I know what people are going to say. People are going to say, "Not a big deal." Well, of course, it's a big deal. I'm not. I'm not talking about it like that. I'm talking about it like, in terms of okay. So this is another controversy that has popped up. Obviously, this will be taken care of at some point, and you know th- this will be taken care of, and uh, Spain will be able to celebrate in uh, winning the World Cup. Instead, not only is the soccer president still there, but now they have lost their entire coaching staff as a result of this. And now, obviously, the soccer president is facing facing potential criminal charges uh, as part of this. But it, it just seems like Something that could possibly have been decided, uh, that, that could have been solved by literally just, you know, by, by him just resigning, has now ballooned into this huge, this huge controversy now, where literally next time you see Team Spain, yeah. there may be nobody from this championship team on that roster or in the coaching staff or better yet in the, in the, uh, in the front office. And let's start with you, Lou, on this. What, what are your thoughts on team Spain? Uh, one controversy now all of a sudden has ballooned up to the point of where it's basically the self-destruction of a team that was supposed yes, to be well, celebrated. That's, well, that's, that's supposed to be celebrated. And now, and now your reputation as a coach is <laughs> shot. The team was embarrassed, you know, because of one little thing. You say it was consensual. You're, you're, um, one of the people you, you're, you're coaching team said it's not. So there's conflicting of interest here. And now the whole thing is all shot to hell. I mean, really, it, can it get any worse than that? And you don't know what to believe. Do you believe her side or do you believe the coach's side? So, you know, it's really, you know, like 
you know, one big confusing thing after another. It's going to be like an ongoing soap opera, though. You know, and four years, um, I think that's a little bit too lean. Either. I think we should give like a life in prison. You know, I mean, four years over what he did, I, I think that I think it's just too soft. Well, uh, it, sa- it says he could. It says he could face four years. It doesn't mean he's going to get could, four years. It could be just a fine. Right, but you know, it it kind of make it kind of ma- makes me wonder if maybe he may get a little because you know you know how they celebrate soccer over there. Sure. Uh, it would not su- yeah, it would not surprise me if he gets a lenient sentence because of the fact that he brought this team, that he uh, put together this team that essentially brought, I, I, know, I know that's bad of me to say that, uh, you know, that they're going to they're gonna be very lenient, uh, that they're going to potentially be lenient on him because of the fact that uh, he put together uh, a championship winning team, but I think people underestimate how much fans love soccer over there in Spain. Well, yeah, of course. That's the national pastime over there. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts uh, on this, Alex, with uh, now all of a sudden this controversy has all of a sudden ballooned to to where it is now? It's it's definitely a very divisive moment. You know, in sports or outside of sports, it's a very – you know, publicized, controversial, really not a good look, obviously, for the, the people involved, culprit as well, especially the suspect. And he's facing that. And, uh, you know, it's, anyone who's backing him is rightfully so is getting shown the door. Or people are resigning. I mean, it's hard to support someone who just did that. So look at Danny Masterson over with um, Ashton Kushner and Mila Kunis are supporting him. Yeah. And he just got convicted of rape for he got sentenced to 30 years. Also a Scientologist, but you see what I'm saying happens inside of sport right. and outside of sport. And people who support someone who's just committed an evil act, I mean, come on. Uh, hey, you can do what you want, but, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't look at that in a good light. I mean, if you're backing someone like that, you got to go. Also worth noting, by the way, uh, just to add a little, a little note to that, yeah, he was found guilty, but there is, it is currently headed for appeal. So, mm. uh it is possible that might get potentially thrown out. So, yeah, um, I mean, small chance anytime an appeal happens, it's probably already cooked, but he can try. Right. Uh, Diane, what are, what are your thoughts on, on team Spain? All the, you know, uh, what seemed like a small controversy has now all of a sudden ballooned into the self-destruction of their, of that whole team. Diane, you there? Uh, she may she may have stepped away from her phone, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Steve, um, what do you yeah. think is going to ultimately happen, Steve? I mean, what, when I, when all the dust settles and the smoke clears, what do you think is the final result of this uh, event is going to be? Yeah, you know, I do think yeah. eventually those the the coaches that resigned, I think, will eventually come back because of the fact that they're showing support for that player, they're standing in solidarity with that player. 
ultimately, considering the fact that the government is getting involved in this, I think Rubiales will be removed. Uh, he Obviously, he's not going to step down. Uh, I think he will be forcibly removed from the title of the president of soccer, uh, of Spanish soccer. Um, as far as prison time, it's hard to say. I mean, obviously the evidence is right there. The, the evidence is right there. Uh, but I don't know if there's any way that they can really prove that it wasn't consensual. That's the problem. I don't know if there's any way that they can actually prove that. Yeah, that's so, part of that, too. That's a great aspect that you pointed out, Steve. I mean, ultimately, you can hear saying rumors, and he, he said, she said, sounds sounds loud, but at the end of the day, yeah, yeah if they don't have the, 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 the clear-cut evidence, it'll get tossed out, or you just need to swing one uh, juror. Because, I, I mean, the, the problem is, is that they were in a celebratory moment. So... Yeah, it's, you know, even though the video evidence is there, there's no way to actually prove that it was that it was or wasn't consensual. I mean, they're basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're basically, uh, I mean, you you know, you know how the how the whole thing goes that normally whenever whenever a woman claims that it wasn't consensual they're going to obviously go with the women's with the woman's point of view. Well, so, yeah, I mean, as they should. If they're obviously a victim, a man or woman should be 100% backed by the law. That's why we have a good court system that we're known to be a, a very smart, forward-thinking country, right? I mean, yeah, sure, innocence of proven guilty, but if someone's really guilty, they're going to do the, you know, do the crime, do the time. I mean, like you said, though, if, I, I really pray to God, if, if he is guilty, I hope he really rots away somewhere. But if it's if it's debatable and it's he said she said, it's going to come down to the jury and or his defense, unfortunately. Because if he's guilty, he deserves what he gets. But you know, you also don't never want to convict well, an uh, innocent man. Well, I'll tell you right now, there's not really anybody defending him. Yeah, except, he's except maybe. He's yeah, there's nobody really defending him at this point. So. Um, unless it's you know they did say that his mother. Uh, was hospitalized uh, by going on a, I think it was a fasting or something in support of him that she refused to eat. I mean, it doesn't matter regardless, but that's, she's literally the only one that's on his side in this whole thing. They're they're trying to, they're trying to pull on the mercy strings with that. Like that's a media story. Oh, his mom's sick now because she's so upset. Well, yeah, your son's in a lot of hot water. So, you know, sorry, ma'am, but we have to to deal with Concerning your son, the focus is him. You know, <laughs> stay out of TMZ. Right. Right. Uh, now over to basketball. Uh, the FIBA World Cup. Team yeah. USA. Surprisingly yeah. upset by Germany in the semifinals. Very surprisingly, might I add, uh, when you consider well, exactly. not exactly, you don't think so? No, I mean, Germany was uh, bigger in size, and they said it was going to be a challenge for the U.S., and they probably couldn't 
uh, muster it. So it really wasn't a surprise to what you know most of the experts were saying. And the way they, and the way it looked, especially in the third quarter, uh, I think I had to agree with them because they because they were being outmatched, outsized by the German team. And they were just yeah. incredible. Although they don't rebound very well, they make up for it in size, and they were just you know overpowering and overtowering uh, the U.S. in the match yesterday. And you know they, they were lucky to lose by only two points because from early on it looked like they were going to get destroyed. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time though, if you take a look at the talent on Team USA compared to the talent on Team Germany. I mean, look at look at what yeah. NBA players are on Team USA compared to Team Germany. Yeah, it's the old adage. I mean, yeah. look, I mean, you can always be, wow, my roster is great. We're 2K or we'll pick up, or, you know, it's drafting a team mm-hmm. like when we were kids messing around, like, oh, I'll draft that guy. Fantasy sports, it's a lot different right. when you have chemistry and cohesion. And these older, um, some of these international guys, man, this is like their Super Bowl or their championship. Beat, you know, beating Team USA is a big deal. So people, I mean, people have to understand them, yeah. they have a target. They have a target on their back. I said it a little, just a little bit on Lou's show, and you know, it's like it's a lot bigger for some of these guys. They don't realize the magnitude of it. Uh, also, and when you don't have guys, you know, the LeBrons of the world, or you know, fill in the blanks. There's the this Steph Curry. Those guys aren't on that roster. So I was gonna. I mean, I foolishly, I naively thought they would almost play harder because, like guys like Anthony Edwards are looking to become true superstars. You know, Brunson, they have some talent. Right. Like Lou said, really, Lou was on point. I mean, they didn't have the size or physicality. Germany's, like, older, like, more veteran, a lot better chemistry. Those guys play uh, together a lot more. You know, they don't just randomly – USA almost just randomly put together, oh, I'll take Brunson and Jared Jackson and Mm -hmm. uh, Halliburton. It's just kind of like a random roster, and it's getting exposed. Yeah. I mean, the top three – the top three NBA players on Team Germany were Franz Wagner, Daniel Pice, and Dennis Schroeder. Wagner's a nice player in Orlando, but yeah, I mean, think about that versus, uh, I didn't even name not 80% of the, you know, I don't have the USA roster in front of me. It's, it's stacked. But like Lou said, they didn't right. have enough, a lot of size. And, you know, Germany's tough. You just named two, other, two of Germany's leaders are bigger guys. I mean, Tice was a, you know, yeah. backup in... For obviously for the Celtics career team, Steve, and he oh, he no, reveled, yeah. he embraced it, he he relished, he reveled in uh, the idea of yeah, let's let's beat Team USA. I mean, it's, I think it means more to a lot of those players on the international teams. They have that extra edge. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely. I mean, we saw it with Spain when uh, when Spain went on their run a couple of years. Uh, what was the last time they won the World Cup? Was it was it was last Gisol World and, Cup? Uh, Gisol, Ricky Rubio, yeah. Rudy Fernandez. Those guys, the right. brothers, yeah. yeah, like like probably four years ago, six years ago, maybe. I don't know. I okay, don't know. yeah. So I got a, I got so, I got I mean, yeah, on. You know, that's complete. That's completely different when you think when you think about it. Considering the fact that uh, you know they have, um, I mean, obviously they had the the Gasol brothers and whatnot, but Spain, you know, just like yeah. just like soccer, basketball is a really big thing over in Spain as well. So, absolutely, absolutely. Some really good players have come out of there. I mean, Gasol. There's going to be more. Marcus Gasol's younger brother, obviously, was you know an all-star center too. He he came on late, and you know, Sergio Rodriguez, Fernandez, Blizz just had some fun ones. And then I'm missing several guys, but obviously Ricky Rubio. I mean, Spain's a legitimate international. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Now, as far as the point, as far as the point totals go, Anthony Edwards led the way for Team USA with 23 points, uh, eight rebounds, and three assists. Uh, as far as uh, we also had Austin Reeves, 21 points, uh, two rebounds, and no assists. So I think Austin Reeves was. That, they said that he was actually being doubled quite a lot too. Uh, actually, they said he got postered. He got postered. I think it was by Ops, uh, Andreas Ops earlier in the game. Uh, we also have uh, Mikael Bridges, 17 points, two rebounds, three assists. Uh, Jalen Brunson with 15 points as well. Uh, 15 points, one rebound, and I think seven assists for Brunson. Shockingly, though, Paolo Boncaro, only six points. Oh, they have him too, uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, here's the big problem. Jaron Jackson Jr. is supposedly their number one, their their number one power forward on that roster. No way. Only two rebounds. Yeah, he's a flimsy kind of long, you know, very athletic, high upside player, but he doesn't have the size, he doesn't have the strength, the bulk. But, I mean, he's you know he's least, kind of wiry. He's not a big man down low. Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, they only they're had playing one center. Foul. They're playing him center mostly too. They're playing him center, yeah. getting exposed. I mean, Germany just punked him. They bullied yeah. him. I'm surprised he only had one personal foul. I thought he would have fouled out of the game. Considering how he always does again, uh, how he always does with Memphis, uh, Tyrese Halliburton too, only seven points. Are you kidding me? Some of the names on yeah. this roster, it's just Bobby Portis, five points, only two rebounds. Now, granted, he played eight. He played like eight and a half minutes. So, uh, Come on, let's, let's mean, pause there's... for a quick second. Let's pause for a second. I really like Bobby Portis, the player, the guy. How is he on an Olympic roster for Team USA? Bobby Porter? Because he's a reserve. Because he we was gotta a reserve. we got to shoot a little higher than that. we got to get better talent than that. I know we, don't, we can't have Steph and LeBron right now, but you got to do a little bit better than Bobby Portis as a big man on Team USA. I know, I know, I know. But the thing is, the thing is, is that he was, a, he was a reserve, like in case some of the bigger stars uh, didn't want to compete. Oh, yeah, I understand. Like, for example – for for example, like Carl Anthony Towns or whatnot, uh, or any of any of those big stars, if they were to have said no, uh, Bobby Portis would be on that would be on that list, kind of like uh, Peyton Pritchard was uh, when when he was selected to the U.S. Uh, select team, which basically, yeah. if any of these players got injured, then Peyton Pritchard would have a chance to step in and potentially play. And that's where they they that's scrimmage. basically. Yeah, scrimmage the, uh, you know, some of the stars. That that, right. that all ties back to the old dream team where they played against, you know, Christian Leitner. Somehow Bobby Hurley beat them, and Barkley was about to yeah. you know, blow a fuse. I think he broke the side of a locker room wall. Also, yeah, I mean, what I, I find think overall, very interesting I mean, too, I find very interesting too, is that Brandon Ingram didn't play. You yeah. know. Yeah. Supposedly one of the top one of the top shooting guards on the team, and yeah, he didn't play. You're talking Ingram. Yeah, Ingram. Yeah, I mean, I a lot of talent, but I mean, I, again, I don't think I just don't consider him a type of uh, 
team USA player. I, I just don't. He was kind of, I want to say a little soft, very injury prone in LA. A lot of talent, but, you know, potential is the most dangerous word in sports. Like, he's been good on bad teams and never great. And then I don't know how he's going to be playing on Team USA. Just the roster is underwhelming. I know they're they're probably better on paper than still than the other countries, but I think we could have still still uh, still fielded a better, a little bit better roster. Um, what do you yeah, you know I mean, this whole do better? Yeah, yeah. What are your what are your thoughts, Lou, on uh, on Team USA getting bounced in the semifinals? As I say, you know, Germany was just too strong, you know, uh, uh, physically. And, you know, it really made it tough for the, for the U.S. I mean, it was the same thing that happened with Lithuania last week. You know, even though they're not, you know, predominantly known as, you know, a strong team, but they finally beat us. And Germany, you know, I guess it overpowered us and was just too too big for us. I guess we're just too big for our britches. And that's what did us in. So, you know, and they made a lot of their second-chance points. They outdid this 25 to 8 on that. And that was another factor. If you didn't get, you know, well in your second chance points, that's going to leave you in the dust, and it did. So, basically, right. we were outmatched right from the beginning. And, you know, even, even the experts saying, well, they're, uh, they're un- the U.S. is undersized against Germany. They're going to overpower them. And, and they did. Well, early on, they did. I mean, they tried to make a strong comeback uh, late in the game. But as the thing goes, too little, too late. Right. So now, as a result, as a result of as a result of this, uh, USA will now face Canada in the third place game uh, at 4:30 tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Local time GMT. So I don't know. I don't know what that would be. Uh, I don't know what that would be Eastern time. 4:30 a.m. But, here. Uh, 4:30 a.m. here. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So it would be 4:30 a.m. So uh, they face Canada for the third place. However. Uh, each of the top four teams have officially qualified for the Summer Olympics yeah. for finishing in the top four. So USA, Canada. Remember, folks, uh, if we lose tomorrow, we can blame Paris and Phil for this as well, and we can blame all the rest of Canada. Like, okay. Yeah. I had, I, had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it. USA, Canada, Germany, and Serbia uh, have all officially qualified now for the Summer Olympics as a result of this. Uh, and also the other top the other top eight teams, uh, Latvia, Lithuania, Slovenia, and Italy have all qualified for the Olympic qualifying tournament as a result of their finishes in uh, the FIBA World Cup. So uh, we do have the final, though, that is set to take place tomorrow. Um, between Germany and Serbia. And Germany, obviously, they led their group uh, with a 3-0 record and then a 5-0 record uh, in, in Group E and then in Group K. And Serbia, they led their initial group with a 3-0 record, and then they came in second in their... Uh, second group in Group I with a 4-1 and one record tied with Italy uh, in order for them to advance to the quarterfinals. Uh, so, I mean, just uh, looking at the matchup here, who do you guys have uh, in the finals between Germany and Serbia? I have Germany. Blue, 
Well, what, what, oh, okay, so Lou, Lou has Germany. What, what did you say, Alex? Oh, I was just saying Lou, shoot, like, go for it. Lou's got Germany. I'm oh. also going Germany. Ice. Um, they have the size. Yeah, I'm going Germany again. If they just beat USA, no letdowns allowed. If they stay focused, now they can, now they can beat Serbia for sure. Right. I mean, I'm looking. I'm looking at Serbia, and really, all they have is Bogdan Bogdanovic. If Germany can somehow, uh, if if they can somehow limit Bogdanovic, I think they've got it in the. I think they've got it wrapped up. I think so. They got to play the game of the gold medal game. Yeah. Yeah, I think they they should be the the favorite. Unless they play really so far, I think they're in the driver's seat. Now, as far as uh, the third place matchup, who do we have in the third place matchup between uh, Team USA and Team Canada? I will go with Team USA. Yeah, I think. Now, this is the type of the game. This is going to be more like no fear and no pressure. Now, watch. Now, Team USA will score like 120 points. I'm going to go Team USA in the consolation round. Yeah, I would be – I I feel like I should go Team USA. When you compare the two matchups, Team USA has the advantage in not just shooting percentage, but also rebounds. Uh, points from turnovers, fast break points. Canada does have the advantage in second chance points, but points in the paint, points from the bench, biggest lead, uh, the time that they've spent leading, all that is uh, is favored uh, by Team USA. Uh, the last time these two teams met up was in July of 1986 where Team USA won 77 to 65. So, uh, historically, Team USA definitely has the edge. I am inclined to go with Team USA here, not just because of historically, but, I mean, you you take a look at both teams. You take a look at the numbers, and the numbers – uh, you know, you know the, the numbers basically they solidify that it should be you know, you know people should be potentially looking at Team USA here. But I mean, that's not saying that Canada is a slouch because I mean, no, if you take no. a look, if you take a look at at Canada, I mean, here are just some of the names here. Uh, Against Dort, Shy Gilgis mm-hmm. Alexander, Alexander Walker, Dwight Powell, R.J. Barrett, Kenny, uh, Kelly Olynyk, Dylan Brooks. They have quite a few NBA names on that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, granted, maybe they're not as big of stars as Team USA, but yeah. they got quite a they got quite a few names on that list. Also, it doesn't help either that Nick Nurse is no longer coaching Team, uh, team Canada like he did uh, for the last four years. Now it's Jordy Fernandez, which is funny yeah. considering he's a Spanish basketball coach. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they have uh, – that's nice. I mean, yeah. that's a good 
Big Gildas Alexander, I've said it before. I mean, personally for me, he's definitely a top player, uh, top superstar, and he and he likes going against, you know, as an underdog. He likes playing for the Thunder. So it kind of translates to maybe this game, too. He, he He's going to try to score 40 points on Team USA. It's possible. It's possible. He's gonna, he's gonna they decide to be as lackadaisical as they've been. Yeah, I mean, he, that guy can put up 40. You don't think he wants to play put up 40 or 50 against Team USA? You know, playing for his underdog home country? That would be huge for him. And it would be it would be their first win, I think, over Team USA in FIBA World Cup history. I'm not I'm, yeah. I'm not all too certain. I'm not all too well, certain actually, how far the history the US, goes back. Canada, that Canada yeah. has not oh. won a medal at all since 1930, 1936 Olympics. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. so this is actually this is actually pretty huge for them. So this is actually pretty huge for them. If they haven't won yeah. a single medal since since the thirties, uh this yeah. is actually a pretty huge a pretty huge game for them uh coming up here. Okay. Hopefully the next FIFA World Cup or uh hopefully the Olympics, USA decides to actually show up and play and right. uh, you know, go back to being the dominant male uh, team that we're used to seeing out of the United States, but you know, here here comes a question that makes me think. With Steve Kerr taking over as the head coach of Team USA, uh, if I recall, Coach K used to be used to be uh, the coach, right? Or was it Popovich? Yeah. Correct. Uh, coach K. Papa. Coach K. Uh, you're right with Coach K. Okay. No, it was it was Green. Coach K, I think. Okay. Yes. I believe he's the so, longest standing uh, former Dream Team coach. A lot like the most years as the coach is Coach K. Yes. Yeah. So it, he takes over from Coach K, and now all of a sudden, you know, Team USA <laughs> isn't the same juggernaut. No. That it's that it's used to being. It kind of makes you think, with all the success that Steve Kerr and actually no, uh, he took over for Popovich actually. And uh, at, at least as far as the Olympics go, Popovich was the last yeah. coach for the Olympics uh, back in 2020. Right. Um, I don't know though. Who knows? Maybe he'll still be the coach for uh, for the Olympics in 2024. But uh, yeah. as far as oh yeah, no, I he think took he... over for Popovich. He took over for for Popovich in the uh, in FIBA too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Popovich, uh, they they were in seventh place in 2019 under Popovich. And now they're in potentially third or fourth place under Kerr. It makes you wonder, with the amount of success that Steve Kerr has had in the NBA, and, you know, he's considered to be the best NBA coach that we have. You know, it it makes you wonder, is Steve Kerr's NBA success as a coach all because of the trio of Curry, Thompson, and uh, Green, and also a little bit of Durant? Or 
is you know is this just a uh, you know a setback for Steve Kerr and is he really as good of a coach as the random roster uh, as as his record claims? Yeah, random roster. I mean, it's a random roster. I, I just yeah, I, I don't think you can judge uh, or critique Steve Kerr on this. I don't think he doesn't have the right pieces. It's just kind of a random mix. They had no time to gel. So I don't think it's on Kerr. Wouldn't you think though that if you're as good if 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 you're as good of a coach as people say you are, that yeah. you know you should be able to take whatever type of roster that you have and still achieve yeah. that kind of success in like a month? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Some of the players they had, it just wasn't a good roster. So it's like he inherited what he had to work with. So. Yeah, he gets some blame, but it's not like a purely a Steve Kerr problem. It's just I don't really see any coach out there that could win if these guys aren't motivated enough to try to kick the other team's ass when they're clearly a better if team. If you're not motivated, like, if you're not going to win anyway. The problem with, is with the players, not with the coach. They're not playing fired up. Yeah. They're not going for the – they're not going to, you know, crush someone. They're just kind of hanging out like, oh, I'm part of Team USA. They, they're not playing with any killer instinct. It's, I think it's on the players mostly. Yeah. Wow, does Alabama's quarterback suck? Just looking at this Alabama-Texas game right now, 27-16 to 16 Texas, and Jalen Milrow, only 172 yards, one touchdown, and now two picks on the game. Wow. I told you the Quite a drop-off. No, you believe me, though. Uh, I took Bama like a fool in the rain over here, like like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Thank you, Led Zeppelin. I took Zeppelin. Bama for some strange reason. Oh, favorite band ever over here. I didn't. Yeah, Texas is looking awesome. They are legit. Quite Next a step down Bama, Bryce Young. Yeah, I mean, any any team that goes into Bama and does damage is absolutely legit. I mean, quite a, quite a night for them so far. A lot of time left, but, yeah, they're out playing Bama. I mean, this is quite a step down from having Bryce Young, Tua Tunga Bailoa, Mac Jones as their quarterbacks, and now they have Jalen Milrow, who yeah, does, yeah. does no uh, no no uh, no hurts over there. Pardon the pun, but yeah, no Jalen at Bama. I mean, this guy he's masquerading like a legit quarterback. He's kind of like running around blind tonight. Um, yeah, he does not look the part. This is the this is the weaker yeah. uh, Alabama quarterback than we've seen in, like you said, Steve. I mean, three or four or five, six quarterbacks ago. He's not, not the uh, next that, great. Also, it doesn't look like it. He doesn't look like the next uh, yeah. great, you know, game game breaker from Bama. That's for sure. Right, and not just not just that, but also the fact that they also lost Bill O'Brien right. as their former offensive coordinator. That's right. Who's now, of course, with the Patriots. I also forgot, you know, how legit uh, the Texas quarterback is. I think I think he's probably a senior. The guy's been in the trenches. He's been in some battles before, and he's playing great tonight. Texas looks better. I don't know. Sam is always going to have those studs and those horses with, you know, D-line, O-line and stuff, but Texas is playing better. Looks like better play calling, like you said, better coaching. Yeah, they're just out playing Bama. Tell you one thing. Uh you know, Alabama, I'm not impressed by it so far. And another team I'm not impressed by, Clemson. 
I mean, they lost they lost last week in a horrifying fashion, and even this week, the fact that they were even in a close game for most of the beginning of it against Charleston Southern. I mean, granted, they ended up winning sixty six to seventeen, but still. I mean, Charleston Southern is a team that they should have crushed to begin with. Yeah. And it almost seemed like Clemson was lost most of that, you know, most of the first half of the game. Yeah. They've, and, to the point and where they've, lost, they've lost some weapons. I just think, you know, it's not, I don't think he has the vehicles. He doesn't have the weapon, weaponry in his disposal uh, right now. Debo Sweeney as a coach, Dabo Sweeney. Uh, it's not yeah. the best Clemson roster we're going to see in, in, in the last five or seven years. It's almost like their talent's kind of – they still have some really good players, but you know what I mean? They just don't have those – a band of forces like they used to. They don't have a total army of great players. Their talent level's definitely dipped a bit, and I think Sweeney's yeah. been exposed a little bit. Yeah. You know you know what I mean? Like, they've gone from a mega power to kind of being like – they can get taken out any weekend now. Right. I mean, it's – it's almost like did it's almost like is Davo Swinney's influence starting to wane now on potential recruits? I mean, this is a guy who used to be able to bring like, in talent like it was nothing, and like it. yeah, and now all of a sudden it's like his influence is seemingly starting to wane. It seems. I was even surprised that they even made it into the top 25 heading into this week after that loss last week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking back, you, you, you weren't wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's just not the the, the, the the glory days of old are long gone with Clemson. It's not the same. You can't live off the, you know, the name. You can't live off the program or the, the Internet. You know, you got to play these games. Alabama's yeah. getting a little bit right now. Oh, they're, but they're not Yeah, they're yet. getting That's into it. But they're not dead yet. But the problem is, they need to keep pace with te- with Texas. I took Bama. And, I and so far, I like I like Bama a little bit. But yeah, they're, like you said, they have, they got to pace up a little bit and get things going. Oh yeah, that's another quarterback that you just mentioned, Jalen Hurts. That's another quarterback that I forgot to mention who who was once a uh, a member of the Crimson Tide. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, the problem is they got to keep pace with Texas. And Texas is literally just entering the SEC. How big of a statement would it be for them to immediately, in their second game of the season, knock off Alabama? Huge. Massive. Like you said, I mean, they I mean this they, again, another – Yeah, I mean, and again, and kind of to tie into, you know, Team USA, I mean, think about Texas. Imagine that. They lost last year in Texas by a point to Bama. Think about the seniors on yeah. this team right now, how yeah. big it would be for them to go into Alabama early in the season and crush them, or, you know, at least come out with a W. Motivation right there, like extra motivation. It's a big – I think it's a bigger game. Uh, for they're playing a little well, harder. okay, here we go. Bama's season. not dead. Nope, they're going. Mm, Dude, they're 39-yard going. touchdown. Wow, you're ahead of me. I, I like I like what you're saying over there. I got Bama. couple – Couple of shills over here. Yeah, thirty-nine yard touchdown. The problem is, is like I said, they got to stay. They got to keep pace. They got to keep pace. They got to get stops. And yeah. 
Wow, what a weird so player. So far, it's seemingly been, pro- oh, been problematic. Terrible tackling. I just saw the play now. Yeah, Bam is not dead. Dude, 11 minutes is a lifetime. You guys know that. That's, the right. fourth quarter just started. Yeah, and plus college atmosphere, you're on the road. This is big. Time is on, I think, on Bama's side now. They Obviously, they just need the ball. Yeah. But Texas is not scared. I mean, you got an older senior Latin team, a lot of veteran players looking for revenge from last year. I, I think this could be a last two-minute game. I think Bama's going to score. Possibly. 27.2. I think Bama's going to score again. Let's just see what Texas can do. Steve, like you said, what yeah, can Texas two point, two, The two-point conversion uh, being attempted right now, so – Texas can't Texas can't slow down. They gotta keep going. Another team that's on the rise, though, Colorado, led by Prime Time, two and zero after Huge. a one win season last season. Uh, they crushed Nebraska thirty six to fourteen this week. Uh, next week they have, I believe, it is. CSU. Oh, Colorado State. Well, that, I mean, that's, oh, that's win. Gonna, so that'll be three and zero. That's going to be a. And then they're going to be like a pinata. And then they got Oregon. They got Oregon in two weeks on the twenty third. Wow. So. Shootout. Yeah, that'll be their it's first be big test. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Dion's kid looks pretty impressive at quarterback. Yeah. He does. That's for sure. That shit. That Shader uh, Shader Sanders, uh, pretty damn impressive. 393 passing yards, 73.8% completion this week. Two touchdowns. You want passing touchdowns? You want to talk about story out of left field? Okay, prime time. There's a imagine telling it in like 400 years to someone who watches football of like American football history. This guy goes from. Uh, lower ranks, obviously never coached, builds up a really good program there, and then and then everyone's like, no, there's no way it's going to work. And now he's 2-0. and He just beat Nebraska, his, and his son is playing quarterback. I mean, you can't make a crazier story up. You can say good, bad, you can love or hate oh, Dion. It's an amazing good. story. I mean, right. they, they could be top 10. They could be top – they got to go against Oregon. Oregon's got more of the horses. But, I mean, Colorado's got really good skill, you know, Speed on the on the perimeter, and like you said, Sanders' son is awesome. <laughs> it's a remarkable story. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and by the way, it is now twenty seven twenty four. Alabama did officially convert oh. the uh, two point conversion. Uh, well. Oregon, by the way, uh, they are in danger of potentially being upset. Only a one point lead over Texas Tech with about ten minutes uh. to go. Yeah, I mean, the, the so issue with Oregon, as we all know, it's, it's defense. They can put up, you know, 80 points against Portland State, but can they stop people on third and three? I mean, Oregon's always got explosive offense. they they got to have a better defense. Because, I mean, Colorado, look at that. Look at Imagine their offense. They could score 50 or 60 if Oregon's not careful. Right. But uh, – you know, regardless, obviously, you know, as more uh, as 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 my uh, my ears are being lit up by uh, by New England Revolution uh, notifications right now from ESPN. Uh, I hate it every time. Every time. Every time there's a there's a substitution, 
they always they always send a uh, they send a separate alert per substitution, and that's what that's what kind of pisses me off. So now, literally, like if anybody was talking uh, within that last thirty seconds, I wouldn't have heard Sub. a single thing that anybody said. Sub. Yeah, so. it's a little bit obnoxious. But uh, the, notif- the, the notification I, for subs is a little bit much. Yeah, it is. But obviously, I mean, you know, there's honestly there was only really one upset today, and that was uh, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M being dropped by Miami, forty-eight to thirty-three. That was an upset. Uh, you, got you guys watch that? I, 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 I watched part of it. Yeah, I mean, A&M got denied early on, a couple fourth and shorts, and then, you know, a big return by Miami, and they just caught on fire. I thought Texas A&M, better athletes, bigger, stronger, but Miami just caught fire. A couple random plays, a couple turnovers, and uh, A&M got smoked because of it. They paid the price. I'll tell you one thing, Jimbo better fucking watch it. With with, with that massive contract he has at A&M, granted that's probably going to keep him safe, uh, his job safe, but he better fucking watch it. If he if he yeah. starts getting sloppy, uh, he could I, – I don't know if Texas would be willing to eat up that money, but – Yeah, they uh, would. They would. He, he could find himself out of a job real quick because A&M, they're not going to settle for mediocrity. No, and when it as comes you guys to, know, uh, a, lot, a lot, a lot more money is at stake than um, just the head coach's contract. Obviously, you don't want to be right ridiculous about paying the guy, but you know, they, if if his head rolls, they'll be the same team tomorrow, and they'll just keep marching on. They'll be a different memory. Right, I mean, that, that's a powerhouse. And like you said, see, I mean, yeah, that left a lot to be desired. The play calling. Anytime, I'm sorry, you can put it on the players there, but when it comes to like fourth and short. You know, fourth and goal, those are critical moments. And a couple times uh, A&M shot themselves in the foot. That might be coaching there. Oh, this is a crucial, crucial fumble uh, recovered by Alabama. But let's see if this may come back, though. There's a flag. Wow. Could could Texas have been saved by the flag? Is this guy a uh, pro quarterback, Texas quarterback? He looks like he might be a pro quarterback. Ah, uh, here we go. Yeah, uh, recovered by uh, recovered by Alabama. Because that is, that is the holding. Wow. Good. No, I'm sorry. He was down on contact though. He, I mean, the the ball. The, sorry, the turf, the field forced that ball out. That could. Be, oh, I mean, okay. No, never mind. It says it says Texas. Texas still has it. Okay. Wow. I just shot myself in the wow, they got lucky. I got Bama. Oof. They got lucky. Yeah. All right, uh, over to the NFL. And what a way to start off the week with a upset of the Kansas City Chiefs by the Lions defeating them by a slim margin 21 to 20. In particular, Kansas City, in my opinion, looked completely lost out there without uh, Travis Kelsey as the primary target for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes honestly looked very pedestrian. Only 21 completions on 39 attempts, 
226 passing yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, he also had six rushes for 45 yards. Uh, apart from that, you know, the rushing game, there wasn't really much there. Uh, Pacheco, only eight carries for 23 yards. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, six carries for 22 yards. Very little. You know, yeah. uh, Kadarius Toney had, uh, had stones for hands. Uh, including, yeah, including giving up a giving up a pick six because of the fact that he couldn't catch a fucking ball. Yeah, uh, I heard he went to weight. I heard he went to weightlift today at the at the Arrowhead at the stadium, and his swipe card when he tried to uh, ID, they it got denied. He wasn't allowed in the stadium. Yeah, he was absolutely putrid. I mean, yeah, a lot of the Chiefs just totally. Steve, I mean, Luke, come on, we know like Kelsey, that's huge. Tyreek Hill, yeah was a top three or four receiver. I mean, Mahomes is who he is right. when you minus those weapons. Well, obviously great quarterback. It, it helps to have great weapons, but yeah, he's been a little bit exposed. I, yeah, he looked almost pedestrian. The, the Lions definitely deserve that win, but it's tough. It's like, well, Kelsey wasn't there. I, to me, it's like the football is so physical. You're going to have injuries every week. I, that, that sounds like an excuse. I think the Lions deserve that victory. Well, what what are your thoughts, Lou, uh, on the Lions in, in Kansas City with uh, with the Lions escaping with a one point win? Well, now before Kelsey was hurt, I was thinking you know it was going to be a blow win for Kansas City. You know they raised the banner, and you know everybody's going to win, et cetera, et cetera. So and at home, so naturally I thought easily that Kansas City was going to win, but. After the injury to Kelsey, you know, I think maybe some some of the momentum might have shifted over uh, to the Lions. We became a much improved team uh, last year anyway. I feel like you built on it. I think maybe that Kelsey wasn't injured, it would have been more going into Kansas City's favor. Because uh, it doesn't seem like that Mahomes can, play, can uh, win it by himself. He needs, he needs Kelsey. Right. So that's you know, I agree with you. I actually – oh, wow, what a catch. And what a throw by Texas for the touchdown. Jeez. Uh, dude, now you're killing me. Uh, now I'm on delay. Now you're killing me because I got Bama. Uh-oh. <laughs> I still love you, but, yeah, that's tough. So just, I'm, like, about to watch the play. It's, uh, I guess I'm on delay. I'm on, well, let's just say I'm not in front of the TV right now. <laughs> Well, it was a beautiful throw. Uh, but anyways, what I, what I was about to say about uh, about Kansas City is that I really think that uh, I mean, let's put it this way: with with at the point of time in the week that Travis Kelsey got injured, chances are there was no way that he was going to play this game because at the time I think he got injured. Uh, it was Monday or Tuesday, I think. <laughs> That he suffered no way. the injury. Yeah, no way. Yeah, there's, to recover that time. No there's way. no way that he would recover in time. Uh, I think he he may be active for next week. I think, but uh, I think honestly, this win is more on how good Detroit has become, as That's opposed to as opposed to Kansas City. You know, I, I still think Kansas City is the favorite for the Super Bowl this year. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think I that Kansas City would have won. If Kelsey played, if Kelsey played this week, I think Kansas City would have won. I don't know if it would have been by much more, maybe like a 10 point win or something, but 
I mean, I'll tell you one thing. Kansas City is definitely missing Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju could have been used yeah. in, in this type of situation when, uh, when they're missing somebody like Kelsey. Having, having an explosive receiver like Juju Smith-Schuster would have been somebody for them to, for them to, really, have, for them to really have on this roster. Definitely, and it's interesting to go to Juju. He's the guy in the slot, and their second-round pick last year, Steve, Sky Moore, the coaching staff was fantasy world. You know, you're looking at different highlights about, you know, every day the guy suited up. The guy caught three passes of practice. Most people don't even care about that stuff, but, like, apparently there was a lot of momentum about Sky Moore. You know, that's why they, the Chiefs have had transitional – he's kind of plug-and-play receivers for years now because of Kelsey and Mahomes. But Sky Moore yeah. was, like – Trumped up. You remember that last year? Second round pick. He didn't do anything. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you oh, the oh loss there hurt. Yeah, and they and then Rasheed Rice is the second round of the pick. Uh, this this past draft, he catches a touchdown. But then you have like Scanlon, uh, Justin Watson. Yeah, a whole lot of like average. There's definitely no Tyree Kill there, and Kelsey exposed them. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that maybe still the favorite, but I mean, you don't think Cincinnati or you know the Bills. Both those, teams, both those teams have been so close for a couple of years. They're ready to take over right. and at least try to, you know, at least try to make it into the Super Bowl. You know, and Scaling was their top receiver. Uh, two catches for 48 yards against Detroit. Uh, Justin yeah. Watson not far behind, two catches for 45. Uh, Noah Gray, who was the backup for uh, the, the one replacing Travis Kelsey, three catches for 31 yards. However, the touchdowns came from Blake Bell on two catches for 12 yards and Rasheed Rice, three catches for 29 yards. Those were the two yeah. touchdowns for Kansas City. Uh, there were like, game. Uh, I think like uh, 11 or 12 guys got targeted. Yeah, it's great. Let's spread the wealth. Everyone has fun. Yeah. Everyone gets a participate, participation medal. But, I mean, come on. you got to have one or two or three or four. You know, you have to have a pecking order or at least – you know, right. a, a go-to right. guy. Because if you don't, when Kelsey's gone, and I, I'll tell you what, Kelsey's all-world Hall of Fame, and, you know, we all think Kelsey's great, but he's also 34. This is, a, this is an right. injury. I mean, Steve, right. you alluded to it earlier a week. That there was no way I thought he was playing. And trust me, I lose more than I win with betting yeah. or, you know, small-time stuff. I'm, I'm no expert about anything. But, I mean, we all knew Kelsey was not going to play. Hyperextend me, he could, be out of, he could be out four or five weeks, four or five games. So Potentially, see, yeah. You know, Chiefs could start, you know, one and three, but then they can go ten and three. <laughs> They're still playing talented. But right. I, I think it's showing that the I, – I don't know. I know Mahomes is incredible. I, it just – yeah. Put, you know, put Kelsey with Burrow or a couple other quarterbacks. Uh, he's that good. So we're kind of seeing uh, Mahomes know, without Kelsey. We're seeing him you – know, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. If, if Kelsey is still out, and Mahomes now starts to lose, it really puts into perspective how much Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman could have potentially been for Kansas City if they had stayed in Kansas City. I just kind of – I think they're – I appreciate that, but I think Hardman and Juju – I mean, Juju hopefully gets it going. He's had some injuries. Now he's a better role where he is. But, I mean, he had a good year, but 900 yards. He wasn't like the guy. Uh, Hardman, Hardman was the second round pick out of Georgia. They no. always thought the guy was going to be awesome. 
injured a lot. Now the Jets signed him for, what, one-year contract, I think. So it's like a couple of the draft picks haven't hit quite um, perfectly. But they've hit the, you know, the grand slam of grand slams with Kelsey and Mahomes. So now we're kind of seeing one half yeah. without the other. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, let me let me put it this way. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, he's not going to be uh, the breakout receiver that he used to be with Pittsburgh. But I, 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 I'm, I'm referencing yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster as more of a depth option for Kansas City. Like, I probably would have gone with Juju Smith-Schuster more than I would have gone with some of the other options that they had on Thursday night. Yeah. So... Uh, I'll tell you something. If if Kelsey continues to continues to be out and they continue to lose, now all of a sudden, you know, we've been having that whole entire conversation, or the whole entire conversation has been coming out. Oh, uh, is is uh, Patrick Mahomes better than Brady? Is 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 Mahomes going to eventually uh, surpass Brady? Uh, there's a big difference. When Brady lost Gronk, Brady adapted, and Brady uh, elevated other players. Mahomes, if he can't win without Kelsey, that's looking pretty bad on him. Again, Kelsey's also 34. He might, you know, hopefully he plays forever, but let's be realistic, guys. If he's 34, he just suffered a big injury. What, maybe two more years? Kelsey, two more years? How much are you betting? I mean, three years? Really? Maybe two years. So, I mean, there's going to be life without Kelsey. Mahomes kind of got uh, got to get used to it right now a little bit, at least to see what the future is right. going to be like. Because if you can't do it without – I mean, it just – I don't know. It didn't look – I mean, Detroit looked faster, better. Detroit's a really good team, I think. But, yeah, Kansas City definitely right. exposed a bit, I think. I just – I didn't think it's – Now, they say, they say no that they are optimistic. They, they say they are optimistic, though, that he'll be able to play next week against the Jaguars. Yeah. I mean, talk about another team. Jaguars lost in Kansas City last year in the playoffs. That team's going to come and try to rip their head off. That's what could easily win that game. Chiefs could be 0-2. Yeah. Possibly. It's called payback. The Jaguars. But, they own. Jaguars are... What a right. young group of players in the league. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence, come on. They're, they're coming to yeah. KC well, next week. Well, we are going to uh, – what we're going to do is we're going to now bring back a segment we used to do on the show where we will give our picks for the entire week. Now, obviously, we can't do Thursday night because it's already happened. However, we will dive into each NFL game this week. We'll give our pick for that specific game, not not having to do with the spread. I mean, obviously, you know, Lou, Alex, and I, we all we all have a uh, game's gridiron uh, in sports whispers that we uh, that we do. Uh, but yeah. not can, not put not taking the spread into account. Uh, we will give our picks for each game on the. Uh, on the schedule here and maybe dive a little bit into each team uh, that is playing. And, you know, we'll start off here with the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. Carolina, obviously, of course, uh, the first year 
with Bryce Young, uh, the number one pick, the number one pick uh, out of Alabama. And obviously, uh, on the other side, you have Desmond Ritter leading the Falcons. Uh, Carolina will be without DJ Chark. Uh, Adam Thielen is listed as questionable. The Falcons, they won't have Jeff Okuda. And Cordero Patterson is listed as questionable. And I just got to tell you, tell you guys right off the bat, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of pressure under Bryce Young to be the franchise-changing quarterback, kind of like a Joe Burrow, what Joe Burrow is to Cincinnati. Carolina is expecting Bryce Young to be that type of quarterback for for Carolina for the future, for the long-term future. Uh, they're expecting him to basically transform this roster. And quite frankly, Carolina has actually had – uh, they actually had a pretty good year last year. They almost made the playoffs. Uh, I think it came down to what the very last week. Yeah, yeah, they were right there. They were dancing right there in the final dance. So yeah, absolutely legit. And not just not just that, they have Frank Reich taking over as coach. Uh, yeah. Which I mean, obviously, let's put it this way: I'd rather have Frank Reich than Matt Rule as a head coach. Uh, yeah, Frank Reich is considered to be more of an offensive style coach. So I'll just start off here. I think Carolina takes this. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Granted, he was a backup uh, most of his first season to Marcus Mariota, but I I just don't see, especially if they don't have uh, – if, the, if, if they don't have um, – Cordero Patterson potentially. I don't see Atlanta taking this over over Carolina. Uh, let's get your thoughts on on this matchup, Lou. Uh, Carolina and Atlanta. Who do you see prevailing? I gotta go with the Panthers. I don't trust Atlanta. Yeah, I. I, I ever since the Matt Ryan era. It's weird. It's like Atlanta, ever since they lost that Super Bowl, ever since they lost the Super Bowl when they were up 28-3, to this franchise has completely taken a downhill spiral. And they're still spiraling at this point. It was a fall from grace. I'm going to say one thing, though, about Atlanta. I mean, I like B. John Robinson. He was rated the top uh, passman coming out of uh, college draft pick for running backs since, since Barkley. Boy, I really like too. So, Bijan Robinson, you add him to the Atlanta offense. I know Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, that's a bit of a question mark right now. And that's that's not the question mark you want in any position, the quarterback. But then you have Drake London, USC receiver from last year's draft, number 11, I think, 6'4 receiver. And and Kyle Pitts at tight end. My point being, I think Atlanta has some weapons. Carolina, I think, is even younger because they're starting um, TJ Stroud from Ohio State. You're talking about second-year quarterback Atlanta versus rookie Carolina. Uh, I'm going – I think I'm going to go Falcons. It's going to be an ugly game because it's a lot of younger players. But I think Falcons have have some talent coming up. Also also something worth worth noting as well, both teams underwent overhauls this offseason. Carolina, they overhauled their offense, bringing in Miles Sanders 
uh, Hayden Hurst, as well as Adam yep. Thielen, DJ Chark, and Jonathan Mingo. Uh, as wow. far as Atlanta goes, they overhauled their defense uh, spending. I believe they spent like uh, $140 million in free agency that, to bring in uh, Jesse Bates the third from Cincinnati, uh, the Bengals, David yep. Onyemata, uh, as well as Caden Ellis and Bud Dupree and uh, Mike Hughes as well, not to mention they have a new defensive coordinator. So it seems like, you know, both teams wow. did, re- did, did overhauling of two different aspects of the game. Sure. Good observation. Yeah, mm-hmm. offense, defense. Yeah, like you said, Steve, very astute observation. I mean, they both uh, underwent faithless. Let's call it what it is. I mean, it's going to be a new team uh, on that jersey, you know, under the helmet. There's a lot of new players on both sides. So Carolina's going to be right. more defensive. Falcons have, have, Falcons have, you know, three – sorry. Yeah, three – the last three drafts, they've had top ten picks. They've taken tight ends, uh, wide receiver Drake London, and then running back to John Robinson. So now Falcons have some toys. They have weapons. But like you said, Ken Desmond Ritter, their second-year quarterback from Cincinnati, I mean, that's not even big-time college football. I mean, can he make the transition to the pros? That remains to be seen. Exactly. That's, a, that's the big question is can he actually make that transition? And uh, honestly, you know, I do think if Atlanta wins, I think it will be because of their defense, not because of the offense. And their defense kind of, I mean, I'll put it that way. You know, I mean, Falcons haven't ever hadn't hadn't they haven't had a good defense in years. Um, so yeah, I mean, if they make a couple plays on that on that side of the ball, then anything's possible. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of almost changing my opinion though. I mean, you guys talked a good game about Carolina. <laughs> But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Falcons in a close one. All right, next matchup. We have the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Cleveland Browns. In Deshaun Watson's, uh, in my opinion, first actual full season as, a, as the starting quarterback. He got to go through a full preseason and everything without having to miss any sort of time whatsoever due to a suspension or anything. Uh, and then you have Joe Burrow, who missed most of training camp with a strained calf muscle, and he didn't practice until uh, until August 30th. Uh, however, it seems like he will play uh, after becoming the highest-paid player in the NFL this past week, uh, agreeing to a five-year, $275 million contract extension, which includes more than $219 million guaranteed. Uh However, you know, when, you, when, when looking at these two teams, even though Deshaun Watson, if he does become, if he does become the old Sean, Deshaun Watson, the, the Deshaun Watson who was lighting up the league in his first couple of years in Houston, I'm not sure that that's going to be enough against this Bengals team who has proven that they can make it to a Super Bowl uh, but then again, you know, yeah. we don't know how Joe Burrow is going to perform with, no, uh, if he's still, if he's still, uh, suffering from that, from that, from the, uh, after effects of that strained calf muscle. However, sure. though, I do think Cincinnati takes this one. Oh yeah. No question. 
What are your, what are your thoughts, Alex? Steve, you nailed your, your pick. Lou, you got, you got it. You're riding uh, Bengals as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm going, I'm, I'm going, I literally, I, I think Joe Burrow is one of the best things that ever happened to Cincinnati. I mean, homegrown from Ohio, played at Ohio state for a semester or two, got injured, uh, transferred out. TJ Stroud took his job. And now he went to LSU with Jamar Chase, college teammates, college roommates. Now they're both the, the best quarterback and the best receiver out in Cincy. Uh, you know what though? When they play down in Cleveland, uh, you know, interstate Ohio rivals, Cleveland, it brings out the dog in the dog pound. I think Cleveland's going to play a defensive battle, maybe a pick or two. I don't know how ready Joe Burrow is. So I'm going to take, if you look at the stat, I mean, last couple of years, Cincinnati has trouble uh, in Cleveland. It's the first game. Cleveland's fans are going to be jacked up. So are the players. I'm, I'm going Browns in a dogfight. Very close win. <laughs> are you kidding me, Alabama? This just shows how much this team sucks this year. Texas somehow drew them off sides on a fourth and three, and now Texas can basically just run out the rest of the clock. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, you know, as far as Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland goes, I still think even though Joe Burrow uh, got injured in the preseason – uh, he has played injured before, you know. He ha he has played injured before, and I don't think it's going to be as much of an effect. Uh, but as far as the Browns go, you know, I, I, honestly, I just think that Cincinnati is better equipped than Cleveland is right now. More weapons, I, and definitely, like you guys both alluded to, I mean, more you know, experience as far as yeah, they just want a couple years ago. But, yeah, kind of been there, done that. Yeah, Cleveland, I'm, I'm thinking more emotion uh, opening, you know, opening weekend in Cleveland. I'm thinking that emotional uh, angle. Like they're going to, you know, Browns are going to play one of their biggest games of the year, I think. Yeah. And I, like you said, too, the, uh, you know, the interstate uh, rivalry help, uh, you know, just adds fuel to the fire, so. The Browns, I mean, think about it. If you're in Ohio, I mean, Ohio State, uh, some of the best high school football, obviously. Ohio State produces probably the most pro players of anyone in the last 10 years. Awesome factory right. of football. So they know their ball out there. And, and, you know, you don't think the Browns want to, you know, I don't think they appreciate hearing about Joe Burrow's contract and, and how good Jamar Chase is and how the Bengals are Super Bowl bound. The Browns are kind of pissed off. I mean, this is a good opportunity for the Browns to kind of make a statement. It means more to the Browns. That's it. Right. Talking about making a statement, too. Texas, 34-24 to 24 victory over Alabama. And yeah. I believe their first game in the that SEC. They want to talk about a statement being made. Uh, I think Alabama, you're in a little bit of trouble when it comes to yeah. uh, potentially uh, – if you're if you're looking at eyeing the college football playoff, yeah, this yeah. one loss has already yeah, put a noose around your neck. Steve, we've already seen that before, though. I, I mean, come on, I hate to break yeah. it to you. It's terrible news to me, but we yeah, ever, you know, ever since they lost Texas A and M back two but, years ago, they have not been the same team whatsoever. Yeah, 
I was going to simply say, I mean, we've seen this with Bama. You know, it's almost like on the eve of the uh, championship, they can lose games. Someone will still fit Alabama into that college playoffs. I mean, no, it's not the end of the world for them. They got to run the table. But, I mean, we've seen teams getting them with two losses. I mean, Bama is always, you know, the good old boys, you know, one of their favorite teams. So, it's a long season. I think this quarterback, though, is right. not going to be the answer. So I hope they have a good uh, backup quarterback because this guy's not going to win a damn thing. Yeah. I, I would be very surprised. I still would be very surprised, though, if, if Alabama makes it. Uh, I mean, if it is, if they do, that just sh- it just shows – I mean, regardless of how the rest of the season goes – it just shows how much how much rigging there potential there is in college football. If we see Alabama make it over a team over another team that that Ridiculous. should end up making it. Yeah, I mean, but you, you know those, it's you probably going to happen. So, yeah, but I mean, you have those voters, so it's like it's not up to the players. You know, you, you, have, you what was it TCU a couple of years ago? They were what? What undefeated? They didn't even get in. So there's always that what-if factor because right. they don't have a big enough bracket. Normal, you know, look at football, um, sorry, look at basketball, look at the other sports, you have a regular NCAA setup. Now it's like the best four get in. No, what is it now? Best eight? Or best four still? Uh, I think it's still, still the best four. four. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so one loss, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you know, the votes always are pro-Bama. So if they can kind of, they can't, they can't, they can't lose again this year. So this yeah. is their first win against an AP top three team since beating Oklahoma in two thousand eight. Yeah, they're not the same team they once were. Right. A lot of turnover too. I mean, all those high draft picks. A lot of these guys in Bama, right, they got that mindset. They got that mindset of you know one and done. I felt like, like Texas was an older roster, more upperclassmen, more juniors, more seniors. They lost a close one last year yeah. to Bama. So yeah. I definitely don't know why I ever took Bama. So yeah, now I'm learning the lesson. All right, our next NFL matchup. Uh, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars against the reeling Indianapolis Colts uh, with Jonathan Taylor on physically unable to perform and backup running back Zach Moss is deemed doubtful to play for the Indianapolis Colts with his injury. Uh, Jaguars, uh, they don't have Tyler Lacey or Antonio Johnson, but uh, this will be the first NFL uh, game for new Indianapolis coach uh, Shane Steichen uh, with a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson. And I yep. don't know about you guys, but yeah, Indianapolis. You know, Indianapolis. They have a they have a new star-studded rookie uh, that they're very high on. However, I think that Jonathan Taylor situation is a lot bigger. Not only that, you're looking at a brand-new head coach second from the Eagles. So, yeah, good, good luck to him. But he's inheriting an offense now. He's inheriting a group of skill position players and a line. All right, Colts got a good line. I'll give him that. Good offensive line. Rookie quarterback who was projected to be very raw and take two or three years. 
They're starting him right away. God bless him, Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, he, do I know if he's ready? Jaguars it went into Kansas City last year in the playoffs. Um, I mean, they obviously were an underdog. They didn't quite do it, but they were they were dancing with them. The Jaguars were playing with the Chiefs for 60 minutes. Now the Jaguars are coming back next year, this year, playing against a rookie quarterback with a brand new head coach. I mean, I think the Jags are going to roll in this one by like, I'd say 20, 21 points. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how high of a score it will be, but I definitely have the Jaguars in this. I think, uh, especially with Calvin Ridley coming in, they already have a well a well oiled yeah. machine that got them back yeah. into the playoffs last year. And I just think it's going to be full speed ahead for uh, for Doug Peterson. Yeah, I mean, and now he's got, like you just said, Steve, he's got a shiny new toy. I mean, Calvin Ridley, uh, offseason, because he, he was suspended last year, as we know, for gambling. Um, he was the number one receiver in Atlanta two years ago. They, so they add a very good competitive top, at least top seven or eight team in the NFL. They add a great receiver. Now they're coming in playing a rookie quarterback, rookie coach. I mean, I think it might be a blowout. They might send a little message. And by the way, by the way, not to mention too, they also just recently overhauled their training facility, according to uh, co-owner Tony Khan. Uh, they overhauled their training facility to make it one of the top training facilities in all of the NFL. So those rumors. Those ru- those rumors of Jacksonville potentially leaving are reportedly false, uh, as Tony Khan did address them uh, during a during a post media scrum that he had for his other company, uh, AEW All Elite Wrestling. He was asked a question about uh, potentially about potential relocation for Jacksonville. And he said uh, those rumors are categorically false. But yeah, I mean, we with that two... being said, I still got Jacksonville. Yeah, sorry, Steve, to uh, build on your point. I mean, we see two teams in different directions, yeah. right? I mean, the Colts owner, come on, he he, pissed, he upset uh, his star player, Jonathan Taylor, sitting out. Then you're starting a rookie quarterback, brand-new head coach. Jaguars, the other side, they're going – they're coming in – so hungry, they're so upset yeah. from last year. You know, exactly, they were. Exactly. They're going to send a statement. I mean, I think it's going to be forty-eight to, you know, fourteen. Like, I think they're going to really hammer the uh, Colts. You guys are hungry, you know. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts, Lou, on on this matchup? Who do you Who do you have between Indianapolis and uh, and Jacksonville? Indy, Indy all the way. Wow. Wow, Indy. Yeah. Okay. How do you think so? I mean, it, it is possible. You know, you know, Jacksonville has been known to stumble out the gate uh, in years. They are. Even they even are. if they have winning seasons, they have been known to stumble out the gate. So maybe, maybe it is possible that Indianapolis can catch them off guard. But I just I don't know with that with a with a new head coach and everything. I. I don't know if I would put that much stock in uh, in Indianapolis this year. Well, I mean, it, it's not only but, that, uh, Steve. It's double, double down on that, though. A new head coach and a new rookie quarterback? That's like a double dose. Right. Of, I mean, 
can you start in a harder predicament? Going against a really legitimate team in Jacksonville. So it's not, I'm not trying to uh, slight or downplay or, or talk smack about the uh, Colts. I think they have a nice future. But, like, starting a, a brand-new quarterback who is very raw coming into the league with a brand-new head coach, that's a lot to overcome. I mean, they right. gotta they got to get some time. they got to take some time to develop some stuff in Indy. Yeah. Uh, now for our next matchup, we, uh, we have the official start of – the post-Brady era in Tampa Bay as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visit the Minnesota Vikings. And I'll I'll just tell you right now, with Baker Mayfield at quarterback and not having his all-pro center, Ryan Jensen, uh, Tampa Bay is screwed, in my opinion. And especially with Kirk Cousins playing for a job past this season, uh, I'm going Minnesota 100% this, uh, all the way this game. Purple rain, Minnesota. Lou, what do you, who do you got, Minnesota or um, Tampa Bay? Well, you took my vibe. I'm going to agree with you, Minnesota. Oh, you're thinking Prince, a little purple rain. Yes. I'm going to go against the rain. And I'm not, I'm not trying to suddenly inherit this character where I go against everyone, but, no, I honestly, all week, I was thinking about Tampa. Uh, okay, granted, I drafted uh, – they're running back, and and Godwin. I like Godwin. I love Mike Evans, and I'm. I think I think Baker's going to do just enough. The thing about this is, you know, Minnesota's is explosive, but Minnesota also is a terrible defense. So I think Baker somehow. I think they can score enough points. I'll take Vikings overall, but against the spread, I'm going Bucks. So I'll go Vikings officially. I, but I, I, I not think just it's that, be a but also. It's gonna I be think close it's game. worth noting as well. I think it's worth noting as well uh, the Mike Evans contract situation that is hanging over the team as well. I now, think that and, might be a you, potential distraction. You're you're absolutely mm-hmm. right, Steve. But at the same time, you could flip the script and say, you know what? Actually, as a positive, brand new quarterback. Obviously, they want to. You know, Mike Evans, everything. He's like all world, Mister Community, future Hall of Famer, Buccaneers captain for the last ten years. Maybe they maybe they feed him yeah. tomorrow. Maybe the new quarterback Baker just hooks him up. I mean, I think it could be like a thirty-seven, thirty-four, a close game. I think the Buccaneers prevail, but I think it's going to be. I think the Bucks are going to play well this year. I do. Decent, like a nine-win team. Yeah, like a nine-win team, like not 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 a not an embarrassment. I think Baker's going to actually have a decent year. I think he'll have a decent year, but against Minnesota, I just. Especially not having uh, not having his All Pro center, and also I believe they're also still dealing with injuries to the offensive line as well. Uh, I I can't go with Tampa in this. I just I got to go Minnesota. So no, you got to respect um, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our next matchup we have the Tennessee Titans taking on the New Orleans Saints in the first game of the Derek Carr era out in New Orleans. And I'll tell you right now, even though Tennessee ended up uh, taking DeAndre Hopkins from the Patriots, uh, taking him right out of the Patriots' grasp. Uh, out of your fingers. Taking him off your, off your fingers. Yeah. I, I, I'll just uh, – I'll, I'll just put it this way. I'm not uh, – okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I am bitter, but – 
I'm thinking logically here, Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback for the Titans, I'll tell you right now, Tannehill does not make it through the year as starting quarterback with Tennessee. I think uh, we are witnessing the final day or potentially the final weeks of him as the starter out in Tennessee. I think Derek Carr, he lets it fly. You got Michael Thomas out there. Uh, you got that other, that other uh, hot shot rookie. You got, yeah, Olave out there. Uh, Jimmy yep. Graham yeah. is back with the Saints as well. Fox and Moreau. You got weapons out there. I got, I got New Orleans 100% in this matchup. Lou, who do you have? Between which now? Saints, Tennessee, Tennessee and New Orleans. Oh, the Saints. No question. So, Grim, so what, are your, what are your uh, thoughts, Alex? Definitely the Saints. Uh, new, I think a newfound resurgence. They've had a lot of uncertainty at the quarterback position the last couple of years. And honestly, I mean, that's the most important position in football. Now, Derek Carr is kind of like a new light, new breath. You know, they've been kind of floundering since Breeze. They have a lot of weapons. Michael Thomas, if he can stay healthy ever. Olave from Ohio State. Yeah, and the Titans are kind of, you know, they've drafted two quarterbacks, Malik Willis and um, Will Levis from uh, Kentucky, because they're obviously trying to move on from their old quarterback, Tannehill. So, yeah, I think uh, Saints are going to roll tomorrow. Also worth noting as well, you know, a lot of people put a lot of the blame on Derek Carr for the Raiders' struggles over the last couple of years. But you take a look at his numbers. I mean, yeah, he did have career highs and interceptions the last two years. But if you take a look at at a lot of his numbers over his Raiders career, 217 touchdowns, 99 picks. uh, He's thrown for over 35,000 yards in his NFL career so far. And unfortunately, he has a record of 63 and 79. But uh, I think a lot of that might have to do with ability of Oakland to actually feel the competitive team out there. So I think he's going to thrive in New Orleans with a, uh, with a, fresh, a fresh new start. You know, I wish he would have come to New England if New England was willing to uh, move on from Mac Jones. I would love to have Derek Carr as a as a Patriot. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, uh, our next matchup we have the San Francisco Forty ers who, by the way, Nick Bosa will officially play. He did officially uh, after mm-hmm. he signed his new contract. He was officially activated, so he will play. Uh, going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, as far as Sam, as far as the injury report goes, Robert Beal Jr. is on IR for the 49ers. Uh, George Kittle is listed as questionable, as well as Charvarius Ward uh, for the Steelers. Larry Ogunjobi is listed as questionable with with his uh, specific injury. And the post. Garoppolo era uh, officially fully begins with a full NFL season uh, with Brock Purdy uh, in the spotlight officially for San Francisco. And I got to tell you, you know, if I'm pitting Brock Brock Purdy against Kenny Pickett, I'm taking Purdy 100%. 
I think I think San Francisco. Uh, I don't think San Francisco has much of a problem with Pittsburgh this week. Not at all. Not at all. They're gonna rough. They're gonna mop up for them. All right. So Lou Lou has uh, Lou has San Francisco. Uh, what are your thoughts on this okay. matchup, Alex, with uh, with San Francisco and Pittsburgh? I actually have a close low-scoring game, and I have uh, Pittsburgh pulling it out. Pittsburgh added a Ooh. couple defenders. I do. I think it's in Pitt. I mean, uh, San Fran is missing George Kittle, one of their best players. Right. Uh, and I think the well, home, well, he's you know, questionable. Yeah, I don't mean to sound like a totally you know bleeding heart every time, but like. I think the emotional, the home home field advantage opening day in Pittsburgh, that's going to be a hostile environment. Pittsburgh always is a good defense. Right. I think it's going to be like a 23-21 to 21 game. I'm going to go Pitt. Yeah, and it's a, and it, also, I mean, they call, it the steel cur- they call it the steel curtain for a reason, too. So. Yeah, um, it's going to be tough. It's yeah. going to be loud and tough. I mean, if you think San Fran's going in there with Purdy uh, off of elbow surgery, his first game back is in, in Pittsburgh opening day. That's a tough assignment. Yeah. I mean, San Fran's got the edge on talent, but, I mean, Pittsburgh's got the emotional edge. True. Uh, our next matchup, we have the Arizona Cardinals against the Washington Commanders. Arizona, uh, Zach Ertz, and Marquise Brown are all li- are both listed as questionable, while Kelvin Beecham is listed as out. Uh, for Washington, they will be without uh, star defensive end Chase Young, who is out. Uh, Dax Milne is on injured reserve, and James Smith-Williams is listed as questionable. And I just got to tell you, uh, even with a new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, uh, the fact that they have Joshua Dobbs as their starter, and, I mean, let's, fa- let's face it, uh, you know, as far as 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 far as far as uh, with, with Tyler Murray uh, on the shelf with a head injury, uh, I call it a head injury, but let's face it, it's Call of yeah. Duty season, so he's going to be out for probably the entire season uh, due to caring more about Call of Duty than you know, playing football. Duty uh, calls. So talk again next week. All right, Lou. Well, thank you, thank you for right. joining for joining us tonight. You right, right. Uh, We are, yeah, we are we are headed we are headed into the overtime hour anyway. So we are going to continue with our picks and our discussion. Honestly, Alex, I just think that you know this this just has Washington written all over it. Uh, the Commanders' defense uh, being led by Darren Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Montez Sweat. They could have a field day against Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs has never yeah. really had a chance to be a permanent starter. And Jonathan and Gannon to... literally waited until the last minute to announce him as the starting quarterback. Another head coach doing sketchy stuff, defensive coordinator from the Eagles. So, yeah, now we have two head coaches not prepared who both came from Philly. Maybe they were gone for a reason. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, ill-prepared. Dobbs, are you kidding me? And then James Conner is decent. He's good. But, uh, yeah, not enough receivers. Bad O-line. Cardinals have a bad defense. Yeah, that's, they're going to be in the running for Caleb Williams. I mean, the Cardinals are going to get crushed tomorrow. 
Yeah, I mean, take a look at his career statistics as of last year. Only 50 completions of 85 attempts, 456 passing yards, two touchdowns, and three picks. And they released Colt McCoy to go with him? It's almost like they're They they're really to, released uh, Colt McCoy. They're, well, they're trying to tank, Steve. I'm telling you what. I mean, does it make sense? No. Neither really on no. upside, but at least McCoy, McCoy can win seven or eight games. So, obviously, I think they're trying to with the uh, white uh, – Top pick flag. I mean, why would you? Why would you ever not start McCoy? Right. I but agree. They're already good. It's, it's, they're, they're, they're already buying for the uh, number one pick already. Yeah, I agree. It it, I, it literally doesn't make sense for the most part. Tanking. Yeah, it's like almost tanking this. Yeah, which is hey, we've seen stranger, stranger things, especially in the NBA. But yeah, it is what it is. Oh, hang on a minute. We do have a little bit of uh, breaking news here. Uh, Coming from Major League Soccer, Bruce Arena has officially resigned as the head coach of the New England Revolution. Wow. That's amidst a... Yeah, it's amidst an investigation into his conduct. Oh, God. Jesus. Everyone knows that. As coach. Wow. Yeah, basically, uh, he was placed on administrative leave following allegations that he had made insensitive and inappropriate remarks. And uh, so basically it was workplace misconduct, and he has now officially resigned uh, as of this moment as New England Revolution's head coach. Wow. Even after he lost after two going, goals, After going 60, 31, and 42 as a Major League Soccer coach. So now, uh, Kurt Anolfo will continue to serve as the interim sporting director, and Richie Williams will continue to serve as the interim head coach as the team prepares to close out the 2023 Major League Soccer season and head into the playoffs. But nonetheless, this is actually a pretty big uh, this is actually pretty big news uh, for Major League Soccer fans, and in particular, New England Revolution fans. Now, Steve, being a New England Revolution and a, a proud, you know, solid uh, soccer mind, if you will, what are your thoughts on uh, Arena getting released? I hate it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, he was being investigated for workplace misconduct, and obviously, uh, if obviously the investigation has come out and I mean, it's clear as day why he got why he got uh, why he chose to resign instead of them firing him. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people who hate the fact that Richie Williams is remaining as the interim coach, uh, considering considering he hasn't done nearly the 
the the same job as Bruce Arena has or Bruce Arena did as head coach of the uh, New England Revolution. But I mean, I mean, you know, it's if there was workplace misconduct, then then he should step down. Yeah. But I do think I do think it is going to hurt. I do think it is going to hurt the on-field product. But there's not much you can really do. No, there isn't. So uh, he did compile uh, during his time with the New England Revolution. He compiled a 71 win, uh, 48 draws, and 37 losses record with the New England Revolution. Uh, not just not just with MLS games, but also cup games, playoff games, and uh, CONCACAF uh, games, or CONCACAF games uh, in that right. CONCACAF league. So, needless to say, uh, you know, I mean, this is a guy who's won five MLS Cups. Uh, between the LA Galaxy and DC United as a head coach. And uh, the New England Revolution won the Supporters' Shield, actually, under him in 2021, uh, which goes to the uh, team with the best record in the league. So it's definitely going to be a huge loss for the Revolution to no longer have him as, uh, as the one running things. Sure. Yeah, it's time to make a change there. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, back over to the NFL. Uh, you know, Arizona. It's obvious they're basically they're basically uh, tanking for Williams. So, Commanders, no problem with this matchup. Should be it should be an easy win for Washington. I'd be very surprised I would think, yeah. if Arizona somehow. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think also uh, uh, Jim Howell, you know, second second year quarterback, real quick. Uh, Washington, they maybe they have some stability. First chance for Sam Howell from yeah. Carolina to kind of understand her and and kind of prove his worth. And I mean, Dotson, McLaurin, Gary Terry, uh, they have Brian Robinson, Bama. I mean, Washington has a pretty solid roster, so it really means a lot to them. I think to start off one and zero. Also, Ro- Coach Ron Rivera is certainly on a bit of a hot seat, so. I think, uh, yeah, I think Washington wins pretty big uh, tomorrow. Right. You know, I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't go with uh, that they didn't go with Howell. Oh wait, did they go with uh, Howell, or did they, or who? Yeah, who is Howell, the Howell started. Is it Howell? Oh, okay. Sam Howell, could, they, yeah, I Carolina. Had, uh, okay, I thought they had gone with somebody else. So. I mean, it, it will be a good chance for Howell to show that he that he deserves to remain the starter. So, um, yeah, they have, I mean, they they have a good line. They have uh, nice weapons. Dotson, you know, Terry McLaurin, Ohio State, Penn State. Brian Robinson was awesome, and then he got shot last year. Uh, Alabama running back. Yeah. I mean, they have some people. So Washington's always kind of been like you know in the shadow of uh, the Eagles and Giants, and obviously the Cowboys are big with uh, media and stuff. Redskins, you know, well, Washington, they, you know, they want to make a little bit of a statement tomorrow. Yeah. 
Uh, next game we have the Houston Texans against the Baltimore Ravens. And I got to tell you, I feel bad for C.J. Stroud in his first start because not he's going to have to deal with – yeah, not the team, not the defense you want to play against, and also he's going to have to deal with no John Mechie, who is officially out. Titus yep. Howard is on IR. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Ward, one of their safeties, is out, as well as Blake Cashman, a linebacker. Uh, for Baltimore, though, Mark Andrews, it looks like he is listed as he has been downgraded to doubtful to play wow. tomorrow. So, so one would think right now, Steve, I mean, probably have to assume he's not playing. If it just got changed to doubtful, yeah. probably not going to be there. Right. Yeah, that's according to Ian Rappaport, uh, saying that he has dealt with a quad injury for the last few weeks and is listed as questionable. However, he is not likely to play. I have, a feeling, to... That, uh, Steve, I have a feeling if that was uh, – if they were playing against, uh, you know, the Chiefs or, you know, someone bigger and better tomorrow, he would be playing – I think they're kind of taking the uh, yeah maybe for granted. Like this is a W either way. Uh, Mark just rests on the sideline. They're not going to you know yeah let Andrews get injured and injured further playing against the Texans. Right. I mean, regardless, it should be an easy win for Baltimore, uh, even yeah. without Andrews. Just uh, let I mean, Houston is uh, they've been a dumpster fire uh, for the last however many years, and they still are a dumpster fire, honestly. I feel bad for C.J. Stroud. He looked very shaky in the preseason. For a guy who is who was the number two overall pick, you know, not good. It, Sorry. It, it, it's, not, it, it's not looking good, for especially for new coach D'Amico Ryans, who is a defensive, uh, a defensive genius from, uh, yes. from San Francisco. Former captain you know, of the uh, uh, Baltimore Texans. Uh, yeah, and plus from, you know, obviously all pro leader of the Texans. So it's like a feel-good story to get him back in town. But, like, yeah, C.J. Stroud, Steve, I mean, look at his receivers in college. Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. is coming out next year. He's like the next Randy Moss. He's the best, one of the best receivers on the planet now. And then they had, uh, he had Jack Smith Najiba, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. I mean, C.J. Stroud had much better team. In college. Think about that. <laughs> right. I mean, he had more weapons. Texans are going to get throttled. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing, too, is the Ravens, they got Odo Beckham Jr. They got Zay Flowers. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's just it's not even going to be close. And, honestly, I think the spread should have been more than ten and a half. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I mean, it's no. it's an easy Baltimore win. Yeah, and I mean, plus the, the, the first head coaching gig for uh, a guy who's never really coached before, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I can see the Texans almost getting shut out. I mean, Ravens are going to feast. I don't know if they'll be shut out, but I think it's going to be a blowout, though. So, the Ravens will feast in this one. Uh our next matchup, we have the New England Patriots looking to right the ship under a new offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, uh, going up against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are trying to wipe that uh, trying to wipe that yeah. Super Bowl loss out of their minds. And also, it is Tom Brady Day. 
in New England. As they will be honoring Tom Brady at halftime and from what it sounds like, maybe potentially retiring the number 12. Uh, I mean, come on. They'd be an absolute fool not to. Are we kidding? Are we, we're talking about like Zeppelin, the Beatles, Rolling Stones, Hendrix. I mean, retire the jersey. Right. I'll tell you right now, and everybody knows I'm a New England Patriots fan. Everybody knows I'm a Boston fan. Sure. I have Philadelphia winning this week. Yeah. And I mean, I'll give you a gonna... few reasons why. Go for it, bro. I'll give, I'll give you a few reasons why. Jack Jones, maybe our second-best cornerback, just got placed on IR. Ramondre Stevenson, our best running back, missed practice on Friday. And that wow. likely means that likely means that Ezekiel Elliott is going to get a majority of the carries. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ramondre Stevenson sits out entirely. Mike Unwenu, he was on the physically unable to perform list for pretty much the entire preseason, and he's listed as questionable. I highly doubt he plays. Or if he does, if if he is suited up, he'll he'll probably be switched in and out. I highly doubt he plays a lot of minutes. Uh, or a lot of snaps in tomorrow's game. Sure. Devontae Parker, he comes up with a random injury to the point of where they signed Jalen Rager off of the practice squad, or they signed Jalen Rager to the practice squad, and they also they elevated Ty Montgomery. Uh, that's another sign that Stevenson may not play, uh, that they elevated Ty Montgomery from the practice squad over to the main roster. Uh, they also brought up Bailey Zappi uh, by waving. Well, they didn't officially wave him yet, but uh, they put Matt Corral on the left slash reserve list because he basically left the team with, for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, didn't give any. Yeah, they're playing that. Didn't that give any sort of notice. That, yeah, they're sorry. They're just they're playing that quarterback. You know, dancing musical chairs game you were talking about a couple weeks ago. They're deactivating yeah. uh, Corral now, and then they have the staff coming back. It's like, well, I mean, most teams just have a solid backup quarterback, but if Bill's going to do what Bill's going to do. Well, no, this isn't this isn't a quarterback dance. There, there is actually a reason. Yeah. Uh, Matt Corral is officially no longer with the team. Jesus, like, like he took his ball and went home, basically. Wow. Bill's playing 40. So, I can't even figure out what he's so doing. They, so they officially signed uh, Bailey Zappi off of the practice squad to put him on the main on the active 53-man roster. Uh, not just that, but Riley Reef is also on injured reserve. So uh, their offensive line is already banged up as it is. I'll tell you right now, with some of the some of the uh, people that they have on their offensive line as not just starters but also backups, I would not be surprised if Mac Jones is doing a lot of running tomorrow, especially uh, with how tough that Philadelphia defensive line is. Not yeah, not 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 the best uh, way for him to find success. I mean, you got a lot of ball hawks, uh, a lot of defensive linemen, a lot of good uh, safeties. I mean. If, you, if Matt's running for his life, it's going to be a tough day. 
Yeah, that's why I have the Eagles winning this matchup. And also, as far as Jack Jones' injury goes, uh, he's been placed on IR, so that means he'll miss the first four weeks. However, according to Patriot Beat writers, it sounds like it's more of a two-month injury as opposed to a one-month injury. So he may be out the next two months. Wow. So with that being said, I will take the Eagles in this matchup. And uh, I think it'll be close, but I just think that with all the issues that New England is dealing with, I ultimately, I have Philly winning by at least 10 points in this matchup. Yeah, I got to agree. I'll keep it very short. We got to move all the picks, but uh, yeah. I deep defensive line, better better on both sides of the ball as far as uh, offensive line, defensive line. Jalen Hurts will be a difference. I, I would say maybe like, the, you know, winning by a touchdown at halftime and then maybe a 10 or a 14-point win. And Patriots are, you know, I think they're on the right trajectory to get back, but they're a little bit off the Eagles right now. I'd take Philly. Yeah. Oh, and might I add, by the way, uh, it's it's also worth noting, too, that Jack Jones, he did get his gun charges dropped in federal court uh, officially for having, uh, having boarded a plane with guns in his bag. Uh, and the, the, the uh, result was claimed that there was no probable cause that he knew that the, that the guns were in his bag. So basically he had to serve just 48 hours of, cu- of, uh, of community service, and then he basically got off scot-free essentially this past week. Wow. So, uh, but he is injured, so he'll be on injured reserve for the next four weeks at the minimum anyways. Uh, Next, we have the official start of the Jordan Love era in Green Bay as the Green Bay Packers take on the Chicago Bears. And I got to tell you, Love didn't look that bad in preseason. No, I mean, Love looks decent. I mean, I think it's – there's a couple of injuries. Watson and the other wide receiver banged up. I mean, they're starting over in Green Bay. So, I mean, I think they have a chance. It might take a couple of weeks for them to really get going. But, I mean, early on week one, I would say there's. And I agree with you, and here's field, why. Field, 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 field's kind of a year ahead, right? Field, there's, a, there's an yeah. advantage there on the quarterback. At least this one game, there's an advantage. Fields has kind of been yeah. there, done that last year. Now, this is, his, like, this is his jump year, right? Love is just getting his feet right. in the hole. He's just tapping his uh, toes in the water. So I would give the edge to the field. Um, both defense could get lit up. They're not good defenses. I mean, I, I've got... I think it's going to be a like a dogfight, like a two-point game. I, I really think the Bears could win that one. That's going to be. And fun. I agree with you. And I agree with you. And here's why: uh, the Packers will be without wide receiver Christian Watson, and also yeah. Romeo Dubes. Romeo Dubes is listed as questionable due to a hamstring injury. Uh, David Bakhtiari didn't practice, but he is expecting to play. 
the Bears, let's not forget, the Bears swung that huge trade that got them DJ Moore from the Carolina Panthers. Sure. So uh, Justin Fields actually now has a number one wide receiver to throw to. Yeah, I mean, and listen, so, there were a lot of questions, but I think I think they're going to be uh, better this year. DJ Moore, as you said, yeah. uh, Komet, if, you know, it's uh, Justin Fields didn't get enough blocking early on. He was getting murdered in the pocket, not his fault. Now that he's getting older, a little bit wiser, and I think there are better players around him. I don't know. Right. Green Bay is kind of banged up. I, I'd probably lean a little bit bearish uh, for this one. I expect that they will be ready. I go. I'm going with Chicago as well in the in the in this matchup. Uh, our next matchup, we have the Vegas Raiders against the Denver Broncos, and I got to tell you, there's a lot of problems going around in in Vegas. Chandler Jones no longer wants to play for the team after he claims the team has basically shut him out of the of the organization entirely. Uh, you, you know, you were joking about about a player not being uh, about a player being locked out of the practice facility and whatnot. That actually happened to Chandler Jones this week. Yeah, he's not allowed All to uh, work credentials. Out. Not yeah. allowed to bring his family. They're basically banning him while he's uh, on like reserve list. Bush league move, not yeah. respecting their players. You know. It's tough for the Raiders, and then you have Javante Adams. Javante Adams who wants to leave, possibly. Um, yeah, who do you have in that? I, I think the Raiders could play uh, with the I, Broncos. The Broncos are very underwhelming to me. Yeah, I got the Broncos. Honestly, I got the Broncos. Yeah. Uh, I'm expecting. I'm expecting that with with a new head coach at uh, with uh, with Sean Payton at the helm. Yeah, I expect that he will be able to get more out of Russell Wilson than their previous head coach, because uh, he said for years that if he if he had the opportunity to work with Russell Wilson, he would be able to unlock Wilson's game. So, if that's the case, I expect that uh, Wilson's probably going to put on a show under uh, under Peyton this year. Uh, I mean, though, I, I, I mean one, would, one would think. I mean, I just, I'm just real quick looking back at like last year though. Russell looks so bad, but like let's see him yeah, show him proof. I mean, have you lost everything? Like he showed, like he, he looked like he was lost last year. So he's got a lot of proving to do right now, Russell. That's true. He does have a lot of proving to do. Uh. However, I think that all with all of the distractions going on in Vegas, though, I yeah. think that might prove to be a bit of an issue for Vegas. Easy, almost an easy victim for Russ to get a first win. Start hot. Yeah. He ran into the right uh, dumpster fire to get a win. Uh, that's why I think Denver pulls it out uh, in this first week. Yeah, I would agree there. I'm, I'm going uh, Denver as well. Uh, our next matchup, we have the Miami Dolphins taking on the L.A. Chargers. Uh, and in particular, uh, the revamped L.A. Chargers offense. Uh, wow, quite a few injuries in this one. Uh, Robert Jones yeah. is on IR for the Dolphins. Justin Bethel is listed as questionable, mainly special teams, but 
Uh, he's probably one of the best special teams players in the league. Uh, Taryn Armstead is officially out with his injury. Elijah Campbell is out. And Julian Hill is questionable for Miami. Uh, for L.A., basically Chris Rump II and Diane Henley are listed as doubtful. Uh, two linebackers. But other than that, it seems like everybody else is pretty much healthy. And, I mean, this is really, you know, this is really uh, a matchup of two high-powered offenses. It'll be Kellen Moore's L.A. offense against Vic Fangio's Miami defense. And Honestly, I think it's kind of hard to pick from this because it's very tough. I mean, they're both explosive. We're hoping that Tua Tungavailoa doesn't have any lingering issues from last year after he ended up missing uh, a good chunk of the season with a head injury, with a with a concussion. Um, I mean, Justin Herbert, you know, he's he has that huge contract extension. I think I'm going to lean L.A. in this matchup mainly because mainly because Miami's defense has suffered a little bit with Jalen Ramsey officially being put on injured reserve for the year. And also, you know, they're dealing with they're, – they're banged up to begin with. So yeah, I mean, now you have, uh, Chargers. Chargers have a brand new, uh, you know, the awesome Wonder Boy, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, mega contract. Then the new offensive coordinator, who you pointed out, uh, he's coming in. They're they're slinging. They're going to be throwing lasers. Uh, Miami. Now, I, just, I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at quarterbacks and coaching. Uh, edges, uh, Chargers. Better quarterback. Better yeah, coach. and and the thing I'm wondering too is. Are we going to see any lingering effects coming from Tua Tungavailoa from last season? From his yeah, issues I mean, that he had last season. So, Million-dollar question. I mean, I just that's such a question mark on that roster. They, they have, all, you know, Waddle, Tyreek Hill, pretty, you know, a lot of good defenders. They have a lot of talent. But, I mean, until he stays healthy – you know, McDaniel's vaping on the sideline. I, I I don't know how seriously I can take Miami. I'm going Chargers. Yeah, I agree. I'm leaning Chargers, but there is the possibility if to if Tua is a hundred percent, they have such a high powered offense that it may not even matter. Yeah, I mean it could be thirty three to or forty to you know, thirty four. Two really good right. offense. Uh, next matchup, we have the L.A. Rams against the Seattle Seahawks. And the Rams, uh, let me put it this way, they're in a heap of trouble. Not only do they have a quarterback, not only do they have a quarterback who can't connect with his younger teammates in Matt Stafford, uh, they will be without Cooper Cup for the start of the year after being placed on IR with his hamstring issues. Uh, Hunter Long is on IR as well with his injury. Stetson Bobby Bennett Wagner is left. out. Yep. They lost their defensive captain. Bobby, Bobby Wagner went back to where? Seattle Seahawks, where they're playing tomorrow. 
Yeah. They're middle linebackers. Now, on the, yeah, Seattle, I mean, on, the, on the Seattle side, though, uh, they will be without Jamal Adams. Yeah. Uh, Dariq Young is on IR, as is Kenny McIntosh. Uh, and Devin Witherspoon and Damian Lewis are listed as questionable for tomorrow's matchup. But the one yeah. big thing I've noticed, whenever Cooper Cup is not playing, the Rams literally do not have an offense. No, they have and, no offense. And Stafford's having problems uh, connecting with the youth. What is he? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't even want to fill in the blanks. But no, I mean ridiculous. He can't even get along with his young teammates. No, it's, it's a dumpster fire. LA is going to be three win, four win team this year. Seattle is going to throttle them tomorrow. Yeah, and along with Ryan Tannehill, I would not be surprised if Stetson Bennett officially becomes, uh, if he event, if he uh, eventually replaces uh, Matthew Stafford at some point this season. Yeah. Yeah, they might trade him off. And, and then uh, Aaron Donald, obviously. Teams are already sniffing around for him. Yeah, I mean, L.A. is done. I, I, I still, I know I've said it on your show once, too. I mean, that was a ridiculous Super Bowl win that they had. Bengals should have won that, but whatever. Yeah, the Rams are shot. They're going to have a terrible year. They, they also yeah. have no draft picks. Right. I mean, that, they basically gave up the future to win a Super Bowl. Sold their soul. Yeah. Yeah. First, I mean, congratulations, they won I mean, a Super Bowl. Yeah, but, I mean, they gave, they mortgaged the future. So, yeah. Uh, Sunday night's matchup, we have the Dallas Cowboys – I almost said Dallas Stars. I was looking at the logo and seeing that it that it's a star. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys take on the New York Giants, and both teams are pretty banged up. The Cowboys will be uh, without Tyler Smith. Well, he's listed as doubtful, so probably they won't have him. Donovan Wilson is listed as doubtful. Tyrone Smith is questionable, as well as Malik Hooker and Sam Williams. Uh, on the Giants, Darren Waller is listed as questionable. Uh, Cordell Flott, Javaris, or Javarius Owens, and Wandale Robinson are all listed as doubtful. And Cam Brown is listed as questionable. And I'll be perfectly honest here. Uh, even though I believe that Pollard is the more explosive between him and Ezekiel Elliott, I just I find it hard to go with Dallas in this matchup after all the steps forward that New York has taken this offseason. Uh I just for some reason I find it hard to go with Dallas here. Yeah, I mean you're so I, I actually I think I, I think that New York takes this first matchup. Yeah, Steve, I mean, you're talking about now that the Giants have always been talking a big game about we're back, we're back. They have a legit defense. We, Me, you, our brothers, sisters, everyone knows that. Now they add, you know, top five tight ends, Darren Waller. You add Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, rookie receiver. Uh, you have Wondell. Giants have some weapons now. Daniel Jalen Jones just got his big deal. Uh, Giants statement game, they, I mean, it would be a huge win for for Giants to go in there and beat Dallas on that night, and I think they're ready to do it. I'm going Giants. And also another thing, too, the Cowboys replaced Brett Maher with rookie Brandon Aubrey, 
who is a former Major League Soccer player uh, who played in the USFL before he joined the Cowboys. Uh, he was eight of nine in the preseason. So on the kicking side, the Giants have the edge at kicker as well. This, yeah, and they just signed uh, Graham Gano to a three-year deal on Friday. Even they got, right. they got the kicker covered, too. I do think yeah, it's you, again, factor, again, though. again, again, again. Just think about. I mean, Giants is a lot bigger game for the Giants than it is for the Cowboys. Think about it. Emotional edge, Giants. This is a lot bigger for them. I think they go in there and make a statement. Right. I do think. I do think uh, some X factors for the Cowboys, though. Brandon Cooks and Stefan Gilmore. Of course, they have really potential, good speed on the outside. Potential X factors uh, on the offensive side and the defensive side. However, though, you know, the Cowboys are, I mean, the Giants, like we said, also made additions as well. So it's going to be very interesting. But I do think, I do think that the Giants uh, will somehow pull it off. Uh, in this first matchup for this year, I think yeah, I think it's going to be classic. I mean, I just I love the Giants. Um, I think they're a young cast of like they have a good defense, and a lot of attention has been getting over to um, the Jets and rightfully so with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you're going to obviously get some hoopla, but I think the Giants quietly are ready to uh, take the next step. Yeah. Uh... And finally, our Monday night matchup, we have the Buffalo Bills visiting the Meadowlands to take on the New York Jets. Or technically, technically, it's not really considered the Meadowlands. They're at MetLife Stadium. Uh, regardless, though, uh, the Bills, they are without Von Miller as he is on the physically unable to perform list. Uh, the Jets, Really, their only injuries are Mackay Becton, Dwayne Brown, and Brees Hall. Are both are, are all three of them are listed as questionable. However, though, according to Ian Rappaport, it looks like they may. Yeah, it says they all practice fully today and are expected to play. So uh, they will probably play for Monday night, and. I mean, it's the first game with Aaron Rodgers in, a, in an official New York Jets uniform in, in a regular season game. Uh, regardless of that, though, I'm still going Bills. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a classic I'm, battle. I mean, Jets are ready for prime time. I think the Bills uh, don't want to start one. I, I, I'd say, you know what? I think it's going to be a, a great game. I think the Bills are going to pull it out at the end. Yeah. Been there, I, I, I just I just think that they, you know, obviously this New York Jets team is basically a cluster of many different acquisitions that they made this offseason. Uh, it's going to take whim of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's going to take time. Yeah, it's going to take time for them to uh, for them to gel together. 
And if they're, if, if so, they're you know, they're in, you know, two and two after a month, no one's going to panic. I mean, this is a big game. I know a lot of people expect Buffalo to win. I'm thinking Buffalo. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think I think Buffalo. Uh, I think Buffalo definitely has the uh, definitely has it. Um, so let's go from football. Uh, obviously, obviously, we're going to make picks every single week uh, now uh, with football officially back. Uh, let's go from football to Major League Baseball as. We have uh, quite a bit of news. Uh, Julio Urias of the L.A. Dodgers was arrested and charged with felony domestic violence last Sunday night. Uh, He was released early Monday morning on a $50,000 bond and a court date set for September 27th. Uh, He was previously arrested back in 2019 on suspicion of domestic battery and he ultimately served a 20-game suspension under their domestic violence policy. Uh, he did not travel on their upcoming road trip, uh, on their road trip this, uh, this weekend, and it's highly likely that he'll end up being placed on – well, actually, no, he did get placed on administrative leave. So uh, – and there is word that he may potentially face prison time due to this. Wow. And also, uh, it said that before he was arrested, he was seen shoving a woman into a fence at BMO Stadium in Los Angeles at an LAFC game against Inter-Miami for Major League Soccer. Had a good look. No. And it said uh, stadium workers at first broke up the altercation, but according to TMZ, Julio then went into a nearby car with the woman where things once again got heated. Cops then came, got the two out of the car, and they arrested him for felony domestic violence. Also, apparently he had supposedly, uh, yeah, he had pushed a woman into a fence um, before that. So, I mean, it's a bad look. It's a bad look, and, you know, not just just that, but I believe – if he misses the end of the regular season, I'm pretty sure he won't be able to play for the postseason. Yeah, well, because this, didn't I mean, the same what... thing happen? Didn't the same thing happen with uh, Trevor Bauer? Yeah, yeah. If you're done, you're done. You can't play postseason. So, I mean, this could be a pretty significant loss for. Uh, the Dodgers, who are looking to capitalize on this run that they've been on this season. And Gilder's also out. Kershaw's been injured. I mean, sorry, not the Dodgers here. I mean, Braves are the best team by far, I think. We'll see. But, yeah, Dodgers, their pitching staff's decimated. Yeah. And uh, Urias is coming off of two consecutive losses. Uh, first against Boston back on August 26th, where he gave up six runs in six innings. Uh, and just recently against Atlanta, where he suffered a 6-3 to three loss, giving up five runs in five innings of work. Uh, so back-to-back losses 
for Aureus, and then this incident occurs, and everything goes to hell, essentially. Yeah, so, exactly. regardless, uh, he's probably facing significant time, considering this is a repeat offense as well. So, yeah. Uh, the Boston Red Sox, they have shut down prized prospect shortstop Marcelo Meyer as he continues to rehab a shoulder injury. Uh, he has been sidelined since August 2nd with inflammation in his left non-throwing shoulder. Uh, so he is, he is considered to be shut down for the rest of the season at the age of 20 years old. Uh, he hit 290 in 35 games in high A ball, so basically A-plus uh, league, before stumbling into double A and coming in at just 189 in 43 games. However, he was putting up numbers, so it's more of a contact issue with Meyer, if anything, in terms of uh, considering he's facing tougher competition in double A. Uh, but it's the right move for the organization, considering that uh, he probably wasn't gonna, you know, he wasn't gonna be playing meaningful baseball anyways. So, uh, yeah, wait, he is sometimes wait here is the best way to do it. Wait till next year with him, or better yet, put him in the fall league. If he does yeah, recover, uh, put him in the fall league. Just don't try to fast track him. Let them, let them, you know, mature and, and keep growing. It's okay. Next year's not right. and, and speaking of which, uh, you know, speaking of young guns, uh, the Red Sox did recently call up Kyle Teal. Uh, they called him up to double-A Portland uh, after drafting him this past draft. Uh, and he's already smoking it right now in Portland so far as is also one of their other top prospects, uh, Roman Anthony, who just got called up. And he's already hit what we call, uh, we call his home runs, we call them Roman candles. Uh, he's already hit a Roman candle out of Portland uh, already since being called up five days ago. So, um but Kyle Teal, you know, they say he's not supposed to make his debut until 2026. I wouldn't be surprised if he potentially gets the fast track. Yeah, could be. I wouldn't be surprised at all, considering the fact that they are in need of a catcher. Uh, and so far, through four games, he's hitting 357 in double A with, uh, with four RBIs. Just better to wait, though. You don't want to rush him. You don't want to spoil it. So if it takes a couple, no. a little bit longer, yeah. I mean, yeah. If it takes him a little bit longer, it doesn't matter. I mean, we do have Colton, or uh, we are not Colton Wong. We have Connor Wong as our starting catcher for now. And I mean, Connor Wong is close to hitting double digits in homers, so uh, he's and doing better than expected. Reese McGuire, the People's Champ, guy's done nothing. He was supposed to be like the next Xavier. They have to get their shit yeah, together there. I mean, the catcher's got to be a big thing in the future, so they got to be patient with that guy. Fuck McGuire, honestly. Fuck McGuire. Yeah. He ever ever since he came back from injured reserve, he has done nothing. 
Total dog shit. Yeah, he has just done nothing. So, uh, and, you know, this is another thing, too. We're talking about prospects. And I, I was I mentioned this earlier at the start of the show tonight. So Don Raffaella absolutely tore it up in AAA, and he actually started off the year in AA, tearing it up in AA, goes to AAA, tears it up there. Now he gets called up to the majors, and when given the opportunity, so far in. In in 16 plate appearances, he's batting 438. Wow. And yet Alex Cora claims that the reason why he's sitting him is because they are, quote, unquote, still in the hunt. Even though they're seven – actually, let me let me update it. Let me see if it's changed. There's seven games back of the wild card. Seven games back of the wild card. You guys are losing. You guys are giving up double digits and runs per game over the last, like, five games. And you mean to tell me that you guys are still in the hunt? You're seven games out? And you have a guy sitting on the bench who combined between AA and AAA this year hit a combined 302 with 20 homers and 79 RBIs, every time he's gotten up the plate, uh, he's gotten up to the plate most of the time so far this season uh, in the limited time that he's seen in Boston uh, over the last two weeks. He's been hit. He, he has produced hits. He has shown you that he can hit at a major league level, and you decide, nah, he he won't help us for for a team that's still in the hunt. He's not going to help us by playing him uh, every day. And I, Alex, I kid you not. I I kid you not. This kid reminds me of Mookie Betts when he first came up into the league. Oh yeah, absolutely. no joke. Yeah, he's got a lot of fierce talent. I mean, let the kid play. I mean, then you have, you have Duran. You have a wealth of other good young outfielders. Move up for Verdugo. His day is done. That guy's not worth a headache. Give me a break. Get out of Boston. He's done. But, yeah, move on next year and build around these kids. And, and hopefully the GM can actually pull a trigger and add some arms to the deadline. The thing that worries me is that – they're going to use him in a trade this offseason. That's what worries me about Rafaela. Is that they're going to use him in a trade to acquire pitching. I think they might, yeah. If the right deal comes along, they might. Who's more valuable to you in the next 10 years, Duran or Rafaela? In my opinion, Rafaela. But I think Duran will be very serviceable. As a now that he's found his footing as a major league outfielder, I think he'll be very serviceable for the for the uh, for the future and the present. You know, I would yeah. rather put I would rather put Duran out there than I would put Verdugo at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's and especially I mean, when I you think... consider that Verdugo is probably going to be looking for a deal for a contract. 
Yeah. I, I've, I've seen Verdugo. I've seen enough of him to know he's not, like, the guy. I mean, Rafael Duran, the upside is undeniable. We already know what we have in Verdugo. It's like a B, B minus. I'd rather give playing time to No, I would say a B. I wouldn't Easily. say a B minus. I would say I would say a B or a B plus, if anything. Yeah, B, B plus. I'll give you that. Because, I mean, the guy can hit. The guy can hit. He's hitting 277, 13 homers, 54 RBIs. The problem is, is that we have a log jam at, at, at outfield. You I, have I, Adam Duvall. Tim, next year I wouldn't want him on the Red Sox if I were – I just – you have much better younger players at that position. Do you want the headache who sleeps in yeah. on Saturdays who can't go to the stadium on time? I mean, no, I mean, they got to get away from him. I, I would think they would move on from him, but we'll see. Well, I think the question is, I, I, I think they will keep him if they can't re-sign Adam Duvall. Duvall this year, 19 homers, 52 RBIs, and that's that's because of injury. Imagine if he wasn't injured this year. Sure. He's been and, a great player. And he's only played in yeah, 78 he's games. 35, 30, he's, uh, what, 35, 36, getting up there. But, yeah, he's always been a good player for them. Yeah, he's, been, he's 35. But imagine if he had not been injured, he could. He, this could have potentially been a 30-home run season for him. Yeah, maybe not play him in center field. <laughs> play him in a corner outfield, I would think. Actually, that's what they're playing him in, is the corner outfield. He's oh, not I mean, playing in center. Playing a lot of, he's playing a lot of center field when he's getting injured, so thought they learned the lesson. Yeah, no, they have they have Willier Abreu playing in center. One of okay. the other prospects. Who, by the way, I mean, William Abreu isn't that bad either. Offensively, he's great. Uh, defensively, there, there's stuff that he needs to work on. But he did record his first career five-hit game today in the majors. Wow. Nice. Uh, I mean, he's hitting he's hitting three fifty-three, one homer, eight RBIs, and thirty-four at bats. So. I mean, this kid. This kid is good. If they give him time to develop uh, against major league uh, against major league pitching, this is what they should be doing with Rafaela right now. Yeah, but the problem I mean, is, is the problem is is the logjam at outfield, and also with Pablo Reyes coming back uh, in the near future, it sounds like that probably means that Rafael is probably going to be sent back down. And they've got a kind oh. of a log in there, so they have to figure things out. So, I don't know. It, it just... I... I my God, you know this is how mind-numbing it is uh, with this team being a Red Sox fan now. Uh, the fact that we have a general manager who cares more about about prospects than he does about putting together a competitive team. Uh, which I mean, yeah, that's probably what he was hired for. He was hired to restock the 
the prospect uh, school, which in that case, congratulations, you did it. But you know, this is what may, this is what kind of worries me is the fact that they desperately need pitching, and I have a feeling that they're going to dangle Rafaela out there to clubs uh, trying to look for an ace potentially. Because Rafaela has a lot of trade value. Of course he does. Considering he's like their number two or number three prospect right now. Yeah, if I'm the Red Sox, like, good luck. I'm, I'm not giving them up. So you can talk about maybe Duran, but, yeah, I mean, he's worth that. I would talk reason. Verdugo so, before I would talk Duran. Oh, my God. Of course. That's what I've been saying for a lot Unless, of weeks. I mean, Verdugo is, Verdugo is expendable. So some of the guys are young. They, they could both be 40 home now, 35 home. I mean, Verdugo's. We we know what he is. He's a B, B-plus player yeah. on a good day. Now, the other guys have much better upset than Verdugo. However, though, however, though, if the Red Sox don't have any long-term plans with Jaron Duran, I would say this. Trade Duran this off season because this is at he's at the peak of his value right now. If you have yeah. no plans to re, if you have no plans to sign him to a long term contract, then trade him this off season. Sure, I agree. Because his value is not going to get any higher than it is right now. No, it's never going. To I would prefer that they keep him, but. You know, if he if he's clearly not a part of plans moving forward, then just let him go. That's the or I mean, not let know. him go, but that's you know, going uh, to be awesome. I mean, I would never be in a rush to trade someone who I think is very amazing. You know, young potential. But if, if for some reason they want to trade that guy, I mean, yeah, good luck to them. <laughs> I'd be holding on to that guy for next year. Yeah. I, I just I just know that I, I get the feeling that Boston is going to be going after pitching in the pitching market. I mean, I know they're going after uh, that that stud Japanese pitcher. Um, God, I wish I could remember his uh, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who yeah. just recently pitched a no hitter. Uh, out in Japan. I know that uh, the Sox are going to be heavily in on him because they've been scouting him very heavily uh, this season. So, I know they're going to go after him. But I just have a feeling that they're going to go after somebody on the trade market, too. And that's what worries me because I believe that they'll include Rafaela in any deal for uh, a stud pitcher. I don't, I don't know. When I, say, I don't see how. I don't think how. I don't see how they would include like their best young prospect. But I mean, crazy, crazy things have happened. So um, they have to figure out how to uh, spend money accordingly because they don't spend money on free agents, and then they over. They try to overcompensate by trading Mookie Betts for Verdugo and you know, spot from LA. Right. They got to figure out what they're doing in the front office. Like, I would say, for example, if, say, Dylan Cease were to become available in the trade market from from the White Sox, I think they would include him. 
I, or I think they would include Rafaela in a deal for him. Of course. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yep. Uh, I think it's possible that they could they could tease including – they could toy with the idea of maybe including him in a deal for Eduardo Rodriguez to bring Eduardo Rodriguez back. Uh, though I don't see that happening, though, considering that uh, Heim doesn't really like sloppy seconds. Uh, you know, former Red Sox players coming back. Uh, Heim, Heim isn't really that type of uh, that type of, uh, of general manager. Really, the only the only pitcher that I could really see them trading him for is Dylan Cease if he becomes available. Yeah, yeah, I mean he's solid, good player. Uh, wouldn't light the world on fire to try to get him. He had a, I think, bad year this year, but yeah, I mean, good arm, good, good player. Right, but otherwise, you know, otherwise it just. I just, I just fear, honestly, for Red Sox fans this uh, this off season. You know, I know one of Cora or Heim is going to be gone. I don't know who it'll be. I have an, I have a, a, a feeling it's going to be Cora that'll be gone. Uh, yeah, he'll be gone. And he'll be gone. He'll be the, uh, he'll be the fall guy. Yeah, hopefully a lot of the coaching staff too. In 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 particular, uh, pitching coach Dave Bush, I hope is gone because there is no excuse for Ryan Brazier to suck with Boston. Then he goes to L.A. and all of a sudden he looks like Mariano Rivera. I'm yeah, sorry, it's just it's just ridiculous. The fact that he had a Four-seam fastball that had a opponent batting average of th- of 393 while he was with Boston this year, yet he now has introduced a cutter that has produced a 176 batting average while with LA. It's like he's Mariano wow. Rivera all of a sudden. Yeah, but anyways. But anyways, uh, that's going to be it for uh, this week's show. Uh, Thank you to Lou, Diane, and Alex for joining me tonight. Uh, We will be back next Saturday night, hopefully. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Hurricane Lee. Hopefully it doesn't come up this way and goes out to sea. But assuming that I can still do the podcast, uh, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. And a reminder, next Friday night, uh, the Big Brother 25 Recap Podcast uh, comes back once again. So, And if you guys haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Missy AE Podcast on blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or on any of our major podcast networks. Uh, Everybody have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night with another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.